the What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is Iron Man 2. Pop in your DVD, your blurry. Press play. Press pause when the Paramount logo fades to black. At the first frame you perceive of all black, press pause. And the second, I'll say 3, 2, 1, I'll pause. At which point, I'll press play. You'll press play. It's the song. And watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary, except, of course, with more friends in your head. Those friends this week are myself, as always, Teague Christie. My friend Brian, William, Benifter. Greetings. Ryan, the Weber Weber. Howdy. And Eddie, the Eddie Doty. I just did a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone was laughing, and I was really impressed with my ability to just kind of roll through it, even though I was looking at people's faces. It made it funnier. It was one of those things where. You get to the point where you can say something, just like you're not even thinking about it. I always get that. I always, I'm always really impressed by people who can play very complicated piece, uh, pieces of music and sing at the same time. Where it's like, I wow, that's that's really difficult to do that. And apparently, I'm at that point with this stupid thing that I'll never have any use for other than on the podcast. Usually, we have a celebratory key after you announce the uh, the the name of a movie. People go, ah, blah, blah. so that's my contribution. I'm like that with drummers. Like you're. Both arms are going differently, and then the, the feet are doing differently. Like it's actually harder on, an, on, a, uh, on a big drums. Organ. How do they work? Organs. You have uh, with a drum. It's hand just goes a, down. Hand goes up. You can't explain that. It's just the, it's just the the, uh, the the kick drum. But on an organ, you're actually playing a keyboard with your feet at the same time. It's fucking mm. impossible. Iron Man two sucked. No, it was okay. Um, it was all right. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, fine. Iron Man two is um, when I went to see Iron Man two in the theater with all these with all these people. Uh, I was still a cigarette smoker at the time. We saw it at midnight at the ArcLight in Hollywood, and I went in and about 45 minutes in I was like I'm gonna duck out get a cigarette which you do uh, depending on how long it had been before you <laughs> entered the movie and um, I go out the front door and I'm just sort of standing on Sunset Boulevard across the street from the LA Film School just sort of hanging out smoking a cigarette I uh, I finish it and I go back to the door and it's locked and I'm like knock 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 on the window and like the, the lady who's mopping up the concession stand at one in the morning like walks over to the door and says oh, I don't know she was like Consuela from Family Guy no no I can't no I can't do that it's like uh, okay and then I literally waited outside for all of my friends to finish the film I remember this yeah and then uh, and then Ryan Weber made a, uh, a review of Iron Man 2 which was extremely informative and we'll be referring to repeatedly so just check that out it's in the forum uh, link to this uh, to this episode you can find it there uh, or just go to YouTube and type in Ryan Weber, Iron Man 2, amazing. And um, between those two experiences, I feel like I have seen Iron Man 2, though I have not. I saw <laughs> oh, the first 45 minutes, and then I saw Ryan's thingy. And Ryan's thingy has a, a weird quality that I don't know if you intended or not, but I do feel very much like I have seen the entire film. And what I, I, you through it. And what I haven't seen will just be like, you know, dialogue, wittiness, banter. And it's like, I, I think I've got all the plot points. I have a pretty strong sense of what the plot of this film is, or at least the story. Nope, the plot. And um, aside from that, I can't, nope, I can't say time. much. So I'll be lobbing softballs while uh, Dr. Submarine tropes for us in the chat room. Brian? Yeah, uh, I, was, I was there that evening. I did stick around for the whole thing. Um, you didn't get to get trapped outside. Yeah, I, I think Ryan, well, I, I guess we'll just throw it up front, but I think Ryan's video covers it very well. It's this, this it's just... It's it's unfocused. It's not. Um, it's the movie, not my review. The movie, yes. <laughs> your review. Well, your I review, give your review a B minus. It's, it's a little. Your review is kind of unfocused, but in a very entertaining way. You're made like, some wait, weird in a very in like kiss, kiss bang bang way. It's like, wait, did I mention this? Fuck. Okay, hang on a second. I just in didn't like the narrator. Um, but it's it's like wait, like you say in your video, it's it, it goes like one step past this kind of realistic ground world that exists in the first one, and it enters into this fantasy land, and it's just it the 
the level of like suspension of disbelief, the contract that you make with your audience when you go in is like so delicate and it's so difficult to do in any situation, even more so when you're dealing with these huge franchises. That's like it just went a little too far and it just snapped the suspension of disbelief. The big part is you're still on contract from the first movie. Right. That's the other thing. And, and I think and that's there's slightly different contracts if you look at yeah. the movies as discrete things. Right. The first and one requires pretty little of you. The second one's sort of like, and all these things also. Right. Well, the first one, and we'll get into it, I'm sure. The first one is at, is your suspension of disbelief about Iron Man. And the second one, the suspension of disbelief is about <laughs> the Avengers. And that's that's where the movie breaks down. And uh, I... I would put the blame on this, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it, of on putting this more, much more on Marvel and Disney than John Favreau, because you can, you can tell. I think if you listen to interviews and watch interviews of John Favreau, that he was like, he had orders from on high to set up the Avengers movie, and he was really not happy about it, and that's why he's not doing Iron Man three. Um, otherwise known as the Avengers. Well, also, because he, he chose to do Magic Kingdom, he really wanted to do Magic. Kingdom. He did. He did really want to do that. But if you, I, the uh, the Hero Complex Film Festival uh, this past year, they sh- they had a day of Iron Man where they did Iron Man, and then they had a Q and A with John Favreau and a surprise appearance by Robert Downey Jr., which was pretty awesome. And then Iron I Man too. I didn't see that at the ArcLight. <laughs> I walked past Robert Downey Jr. That's actually. pretty cool. Uh, anyway, I actually have a bunch of notes that I He's took tiny from that day, uh, which I'm sure we'll refer to in the conversation. But uh, it. Between the lines of a lot of the interviews and the Q and A he did at the Hero Complex, you can tell that it was like he that was. Fav knows what's up. That Favreau was really unhappy with being given these orders from on high about setting up right. the Avengers movie. So, Ryan, you uh, you loved Iron Man. You were on our first Iron Man commentary, for sure, and you loved it hardcore. And then you saw Iron Man two, and you had feelings about it well, such that you felt I will exhaustively make a thirty-minute video review. Yeah. Why Why Iron Man 2? Yep. <laughs> why this movie and not any other movie? Well, I mean, it's funny because all of us sitting on the couch here today, we're in that same mm-hmm. screening. We all saw, well, most of us saw the entirety Shut up. of the movie <laughs> uh, for the first time together. And Except was for the stupid ones. Yeah. yeah, man. We all came out of that, and then we were all talking about it, and it's like, yeah, this and that and the other thing. And, and then sort of like, uh, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it was fine. It was good. And even, even Dorkman was like, uh, oh, I, I think I enjoyed it about as much as the first one, you know, and then shrugged your shoulders. And I'm like... I really, I'm really disappointed, and I don't exactly know why. I just, that kind of sucked, and I can't explain it. So then, subsequently, I would watch the movie again a time or two, and every time all these little things would pop out, that I'm like, whoa, that really doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. That's really stupid. This doesn't need to be here. And and then it all just sort of became much clearer to me than any other movie ever has, and so that's why I've never done a video review before this. This is just the first thing I discovered I had a shit ton to say about that seemed to be what a lot of other people didn't, notice or feel or care about how so. many times have you watched this movie then well it gets fuzzy when you start talking about <laughs> editing okay a 30 minute but, piece but before before you decided to make that video how many times had you watched oh, it? oh maybe three times okay including the first time okay what is your opinion for those we're basically gonna it's gonna be a yes and version of your video yeah. review this two and a half hour audio thingy but what was what is your opinion of it now um i think it's exactly, in summary it's in summary it's not good it's it's <laughs> it has it suffers it, it suffers from interference from the, from Marvel and from the studios and and Favreau I think wanted to make a good movie but he had to sort of hack together these plots and these themes and these subjects that he didn't really want to have to get into and it's just it just comes out weird and it comes out as to me a betrayal of what was great about the first Iron Man movie. Eddie Doty, you're a big Iron Man fan from back in the day. I, I'm a Iron Man was one of my favorite comics um, and certain runs throughout the the thing of it. So I was I, and I love the first Iron Man movie. I think it's great. And, and uh, my wife really enjoys Iron Man, actually, the first one. Um, 
I'm gonna. Yeah, she does. I'm gonna make. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna make. We have an Iron Man Christmas ornament that we put up every year. Um, but, uh, right. But uh, family. I'm gonna be a bit of a voice of dissent here. I I I have a problem with Iron Man too. I definitely. It's obvious that Marvel, the studio, in, in, injected quite a bit that they needed to be in here. I do think it affected the storytelling process. However. The things that bother me the most about Iron Man 2, I lay squarely at the feet of John Favreau and um, and Justin Thoreau. I think it's uh, who's the co-writer and who was rewriting every step. The, of the guy day. from Mulholland Drive wrote yeah, this. He co-wrote this. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and he's not just doing that. I think he's helping co-write Iron Man three as well. And and he co-wrote uh, Tropic Thunder. Um, okay. No, he co-wrote Tropic Thunder. I mean, he's got like he's got some chops. I I think part of it is is their process that didn't work well with this movie. I you know. I didn't need all the Avengers stuff that's in here, but when I really think about the stuff that bugs me about the movie, um, I, I can't find Marvel's presence on the things that bug me the most. Um, yeah, that's that's absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, did it? Is one of those things where if you remove all that stuff, it's there's still, still a lot issues. of problems. Yeah, with this. the Palladium Core, that right. whole aspect. And and I'm g- I'm going to propose sort of a, a, a thesis over this, but I compare this to. Uh, the right version of doing this is X Men and X Men Two. X Men did the same thing that Iron Man did, which is it took a um, it took a superhero movie, took essentially what is the origin story, made a compelling first movie. After that, X Men and Iron Man both have deep mythologies with a lot of different characters, a lot of different plots that you could draw from, and um, you know uh, Chris McQuarrie and um, Brian Singer in X Men funneled and filtered through the the chinois of of cinema the proper things that made a very good x-men 2 Mm -hmm. that made x-men 2 a very good movie they took just the right combination of elements that made for a compelling film that was that stands good on its own i don't think they drew the right elements for what make what would make the best iron man 2 irrespective of the avengers um, agenda agenda yeah you know what i mean um the avengers stuff it was there. Agenda. It, 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 I notice it. It didn't bother me as much as the other stuff, which I think we'll get into. So, Cool. You're at the point where the Paramount logo has faded to black, and we have our subtitles on, so we're already looking at words, but whatever. You're at the point where the Paramount logo has faded to black, like we are here. Put your finger on the button. Three, two, one, unpause. Now, what were the things that you were talking about that that you don't like, that you can't smell them on? Was it the Palladium core Palladium thing? is one of them. Uh, Whiplash as a bad guy, I think, is the other one. I think you were in a perfect place at the end of uh, the first movie to set up the Mandarin and set up the Ten Rings and all that other stuff because I loved how they adapted that for the first movie, and they should have followed that through its natural conclusion here, but we don't even get a mention of it here. Um, I don't necessarily mind... Um, I, like this interpretation in and of itself isn't bad, but they just stumble in the execution. This opening scene, I don't mind as much. I get the idea that, um, you know, that 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 uh, uh, Ivan Vanko's father, all that 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 isn't horrible in and of itself. It's not a bad starting place. It's just what they where they take it to. It's where they go. Yeah. Let's at least give them props for having made a pretty ballsy decision. I mean, I know in the mythology that it's. Everybody knows Tony Stark equals Iron Man. No, that's the thing. Oh, really? In the, in the mythology for a long time was that Iron Man was Tony Stark's bodyguard, and for several decades that was the thing. Is it um, that way in the Ultimate? That's the only. Real. In Ultimates, he, no, I can't remember how it is in Ultimate. In Ultimates, he is dying terminally of cancer. Okay. So that was sort of where they get the this thing is killing him from. Right. But but in in the Ultimates, the way Warren else, else writes him, it's hysterical because he's just drunk half the time. During the giant sort of war, he pilots this giant satellite-sized Iron Man suit. And he's like, I'm really drunk right now. And he's like blowing up half of Manhattan and <laughs> right. killing the enemy. But it's uh, Well, then even more so. But 
the the fact that they didn't do a Ghostbusters two thing because they had this big reveal that changed that was a big deal at yeah. the end of Iron Man one where he reveals to the world. Yeah. And the fact that they didn't just kind of retcon, brush that up as, as hastily no, they, as they could to to put, go back to the reset button. Totally. The cool fact that they didn't do that yeah. is commendable. Although you think that would be a big theme in the second one is like, well, this is the first time, at least in in movie world here, where you've got a really prominent example of I am out. I mm-hmm. you know who I am. Right. And the most that happens is Ivan knows who he is, so he goes and attacks him. Right. No it's consequences. Like, it seems like yeah, you would you could use that as just a theme for as a, for a whole pl- movie. Pad itself, pad. Is is what what does it mean when everyone knows your identity? You don't have a secret identity, and they don't they don't explore that. Yeah, looking at my, my notes from the. Hero Complex Film Festival. The very first one I have actually is Favreau describing the first movie as "quote unquote" the seat of the pants, which we talked about. Yeah. Uh, how the the first Iron Man has this nice improvisational quality to it, mm-hmm. where it, it feels even though it's this big blockbuster franchise tentpole film, yeah. it still has this quality of guys just having fun around on a set. And uh, he describes the second one as "quote unquote" part of the agenda was to set up the Avengers movie. So Great. He, he says, yeah. you know. I don't, I don't doubt that. And, and maybe it's one of those things where, you know, when you observe like that old thing about when you observe something, you affect it. You know what I mean? So maybe right. maybe them doing this affected his whole process. But the thing, you know, like this feels more improvised to me to its detriment. I I disagree with that. I don't know if that's the way to, to exactly describe it. I think the improvisation isn't as folded into the overall story as well as it is in the first one. Like, as as Ryan points out in his video, there's there's you know a couple scenes where Sam Rockwell is clearly just being Sam Rockwell and improvising. Right. But those moments aren't edited and folded into the overall story. That's superficial improvisation. It's it, yeah. That's a line-to-line improvisation. Right. And you're suggesting that in the first one, entire scenes, the structure of it was more improvisational. The creative process the, the was overall, more... The overall tone of the film felt more improvisational and thus felt yeah. more more real and more relaxed and more comfortable mm-hmm. as opposed to this one seems more more like Spider-Man where it's all very stagey and, and right. this um, is I mean, I get a, feeling a little like more hysteronic. You can feel the eyes on this one. It's just like yeah. there is a lot of pressure and right. it's kind of like, all right, so we're going to hack this thing in and we're going to plug this onto it and then we're going to get this going and it's kind of because trying we got to sell these action much. figures and make this release date for this other film. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's very true. So they're trying to push a lot okay. through this hole and it <laughs> yeah. all doesn't really fit very well. I like it. Um, and I, the, thing, the thing about it though is that, again, every... Um, moment where I think he's guilty of that is a moment where there's nothing to do with the Avengers at all. And like, uh, I agree. You know, I agree. there are story problems independent of the Avengers. That's, that's very true. I find the Avengers stuff very offensive, but I agree with you 100% that yeah. there are just inherent story. And I, and I feel like my, over, and I'll get into it more as we go and I'll list specific examples, but I, I would submit that whereas before, you know, I, I, I've done a lot of improv. I, I, I used to do a lot of improv. I used to do a lot of comedy sports and things like that. And improv and is at its best when it's got the wild energy and spontaneity to it, but it's still structured. Mm-hmm. You know, two yes, good improv performers back and forth with one another, they build, they create, right. they everything that somebody says... There's still an objective. It, the, the, the fundamental yeah, exactly. rules of, of telling a story and writing a scene still apply when yes. you're writing that scene on stage as part of an improv. Absolutely. And the best improv is when you have the energy and the spontaneity of it being done, but it feels like it was scripted masterfully. Right. You know what I mean? And what I, I guess what I'm saying is that Robert Downey Jr., his moments where he's just allowed to do his thing, I buy it and I believe it, but I feel like everybody was let off the chain in this one. I feel like they let Mickey Rourke just go completely undisciplined with it. I think even Sam Rockwell, who I normally like, I think no one was reined in 
is what I'm saying during that that process. They weren't necessarily given that objective within the scene or or the through line for the characters themselves, right. where they could they could define and focus that improv to a point where it it made a little more sense and it was a little more easier to fold into the overall story. Right. Now, again, this stuff is fine. I like the idea of the Stark Expo essentially being like Epcot and uh, cross between Epcot and the World's Fair mm-hmm. um, and E3 and TED and every other celebration. <laughs> and Comic-Con. And, and Comic-Con, else, yeah. yeah. I, I like the idea of that. And this is sort of the logical conclusion of where to take um, Tony's character because he would totally do this. It's when he steps off and counts his blood toxicity level here in a second that right. you really start to feel like, whoa, that's okay. Because Iron Man does have a dark side to him. <laughs> the de- What's funny is in the in the theater too. The first time he checks his blood toxicity, it's not very specific, so everyone thinks he's just drunk. You're right. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> confusing the and first time the you thing. see it. Like there is a very famous storyline in Iron Man lore that's called Demon in a Bottle, yeah. and it's yeah. he's an alcoholic, and that's he has to stop being Iron Man for a while to to deal with his shit, and. That's you know it's it's it was part a byproduct of the '70s gritty thing. Same thing when Green Arrow's ward was addicted to smack. But um, it, it it's it it's that's a better thing to play if you're going to go that route than just random blood toxicity from this stuff. Which, and, they, and they tried to blood they, disease. Tr- yeah. they tried to wedge that into this too. Yeah. And it's just like for like two scenes they explore this idea that should be a whole movie of its own. His alcoholism, you mean? Yeah, yeah. And to me, the the blood toxicity and the idea of palladium, which they never fully established in the first movie, that is what opens up the believability and like really stresses the the ability to disbelieve. Because it's bad enough when you have to essentially say, "Oh, there's a magnet in your chest to keep the the shards from going into your your heart, and that will kill you." Okay, that makes a kind of sense. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Versus the, I mean, if you're gonna, it makes magic. It makes magic bean sense. Magic bean sense, exactly. But like, I feel like the palladium is the second magic bean. But you know, we're still we're still living in a world where. Um, Tony could go get operated on and pull that shit out of his chest. No kidding. Yes. He doesn't need a magnet in there all the right. time. Nope. Yeah, I mean, the, the justification for the fucking magnet in the first place was the fact that he was in Afghanistan and it didn't have access. It was a short-term It was a short-term Band-Aid solution <laughs> until he got back to the real world. And sure enough, in the comics, like back in the original iteration of the I was going to say, in the comics, don't they actually take it out? The original thing in the comic was that he had to wear the breastplate at all time because the breastplate was essentially a giant magnet. Okay. And then they kept that in the comics for a couple of years and then after that's like okay, okay he got it fixed like it's just <laughs> now he just has a suit of armor because he's awesome and he's right. his, his chest is all fixed because up. now he's iron man because yeah you've you've explained you why need he needed to become iron man yeah. but now that he is iron man you don't need that justification exactly anymore. yeah all, all it did is it just gets you the power source the, the arc reactor the, right. the big MacGuffin. It, you know? it it gave him a good enough reason to build it in the first place and that's to all justify that, and then once it's built, okay, now go have fun, fulfill the promise of the premise. And well, the, and the part of that whole plot that's so uh, offensive to me is that it's 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 unnecessary. Like, like yep. oh no, it's poisoning me now, and it wasn't in the last movie, but now it is, and like now I have to solve this problem and I fix it, and then I fixed it. It's like, I gotta okay, say, what did we get out of that? Right. Yeah. I do love uh, the Walt great. Disney. Yeah, he's on Mad Men. I forget his name. Um, mm-hmm. uh, oh, John, yeah, yeah. He's a. Uh, um, I forget his name, but he he's got the Walt Disney vibe going on, which I really really boss, like. I guess, right? I, yeah, he's yeah he's, he's the, the boss. boss. Yeah. Doesn't look at all like the the guy they got for uh, what do you call it, Captain America? Right. <laughs> I like this guy more. So, you know. Yeah, blood talks to say, oh, he's drunk again. You know, but why didn't they just get the same guy? Good question. I, I mean, if, I, yeah. if 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 well, they, if, they, they if cast Marvel this is sitting... before they cast this before um, before Iron Man. 
obviously it was in production. Or you mean uh, Captain, or Captain America. America, yeah. Captain America. Yeah, but if Marvel is Maybe really sitting on high and, and putting this stuff in by their own force of will. In the commentary, it sounded like Favreau really had to talk him into doing it. Like, right. like it's gonna be it's it's really gonna be worth it. Talking him into little... putting Howard Stark into it? No, no, talking talking actor. that actor into oh. being. Oh, him. really? So it sounded like he probably saw the movie and just kind of like, uh, yeah. Oh, and then okay. they're like, hey, will you come back and do that again? He's like, yeah, nah, that's all right. Not, I got this so Batman thing going. <laughs> I'm cool. All Man, right. are, there's so much. I didn't notice it as much in the first Iron Man. Of course, it's there, but there's so much product placement all over this movie. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. hyper saturated. Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't even, even notice coming up here, and he's like, hey, it's the Oracle of Oracle. And it's like, all right. That's great. Good times. That's Stanley as Larry King is pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. Seth Green was there for a half second. You saw him there. Now, how do you guys feel about this? Someone in the chat, when I, I apologize, I forgot who said this, said maybe Iron Man 2 should have just been entirely about the personal and social implications of a guy coming out and saying, yes, I am this guy. And then also dealing with the fact that by doing that, he's it's a, it's a mistake because... Peter Parker doesn't have enemies, really. Right. Spider-Man has enemies. When you say Spider-Man, when Peter Parker says, I am Spider-Man, then he has all of his enemies. Like, he doesn't have any way to hide himself from that problem. Th- there, to stretch- the, the statement, I am Iron Man, as a... Should have a thing. Yeah, and there's and there was a well, whole there was a whole DC limited series there called um, uh, Identity Crisis, which was about... The, the theme of that was sort of like, you know, the best weapon we have is the mask, because the mask is what protects everyone you love protects yeah. you know you from everything um and there's a lot of ways to go I, I interrupted somebody so I, whoever was going to say something uh no, i don't, think, I don't think so oh okay yeah. my bad then go for it um no i was gonna say my <clears throat> the again you know when you look at iron when you look at x-men 2 you could tell they t- there's many different arcs that you can draw from and for x-men 2 it was a combination of uh wolverine's origin and then also um there was like a um a they took a um they took a sort of obscure storyline from a, a one-shot graphic novel of X-Men called God Loves Man Kills. And they took a couple characters from that and then they expounded on it. They did sort of the same thing here with an Iron Man storyline called Armor Wars, um, which they expounded on and sort of made their own. But this is one of those few times where I'm going to say, if you would have stuck a little bit closer to the idea of what Armor Wars was really about, um, you would have had a more cohesive narrative. And Armor Wars was the idea about that someone breaks in and steals Tony Stark's designs for his suit, and then every country and every mercenary group comes up with their own suit. Right, and, that, and he now has you have to, an arms race story. And he has to go around the yeah. country uh, and one by one take them down. Right, and and it takes a hell of a toll on him. And and that's you know he, that's when the introduction of the suit that he wears at the end here. That's where that the Mark Seven or whatever. That's where that comes from. This one, there's elements of that there with Whiplash. But it's not really cohesive. Then there's also sort of the the toxicity thing, and then the Avengers does not help. I fully agree with that. Right. It it muddles what is our and Justin Hammer is his own like Justin Hammer is sort of like the the avatar for the um, the Armor War storyline. And, and Justin Hammer is a long standing Iron Man bad guy who's been around forever. But again, it's like they it, it's like they overcomplicated it before Avengers. Mm-hmm. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So there, there are already four plots going on that yeah. were all half baked. Yeah. That's the problem, really. I, I, one thing I didn't mention in my uh, review is like oh, there's an odd little thing. It's this is not even plot related. I'm going micro now, but like uh, they keep this recurring thing where he doesn't want to be handed things. 
Okay. That comes up twice. It's like she's got the subpoena, and then he's like, here, I'll take it. He doesn't like being handed things. And then later, there's a cut scene at the party where where Pepper brings him a gift, and he's like, oh, he like won't accept the gift because he doesn't want it to be handed to him. Are they trying to do like a Howard Hughes I OCD thing? No, I like guess. he doesn't want anything given to him. I no, no, metaphor. maybe. I don't know, but it's like it's never explained in any of this material, and it's like it's bizarre because why start setting up like Howard Hughes like neurotic thing when he's the most normal person in the world? Yeah. Like. He's extremely social. I mean, well, it's, it's not that it's not that he's the most normal person in the world. It, he does well, he does have like his own flaws and vices. But yeah. the thing is, those flaws and vices have already we already know what they are. Yeah, he's an alcoholic. Right, right. Why, like, why start to introduce? Why, why throw like other that. stuff on there? Yeah. yeah. And Don, I have no idea what they're and Don Cheadle, who Don I like Cheadle. Don Cheadle plenty more than I like. Um, and there's that final line. I'm here. Get over it. Blah. Which is yeah. fine. I've actually played poker with Don Cheadle before. He was learning poker for a role like many years ago and. He used to go to a commerce casino when I was there a lot. Very it's, nice guy. It's weird in this movie. I mean, he's just sort of like, hi, I'm this character. How you doing? I'm saying my lines, yeah. and good to go. It's like, which, right. is the, which is the, I don't feel like you right, the best way lot. you can do it. Well, no. Yeah. It, there's, yeah, he's not bringing anything spectacularly new or different to it. He's, no. he's just kind of going through the motions. Which it's, it's, is workmanlike. It's, 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 it's very workmanlike. It's very workmanlike. Yeah, that's the, that's the right phrase. Gary Shanley, by the way, has had a lot of work done, and man, does that make me sad. Um, <laughs> but... Um, but because uh, his face is just this gelatinous dough bag of, of yeah, he's frightening. Yeah, it's it, he should have been the bad guy. Um, but uh, his face, his, his face, his face becomes self-aware <laughs> and becomes Shandlor. He looks like it's trying to escape his skull. So they right. they put Gary Shandling's head on War Machine, uh-oh, and that's the uh-oh, bad guy. I got a, a crossover tie-in to, uh, to what? The comics. Oh, uh, yeah. which one? Seth, Seth, you're not on mic, buddy. I know. I was saying the nod of I would I would appreciate the Secretary of Defense offer is a nod to the mainstream comics where he actually was offered. And oh, Secretary of Defense, yeah, back in the yeah, he was offered that. Yeah. Um, point and, and here's the thing. And this you know I didn't land on this position because when I and you, you Ryan made a good point earlier because when we all left the theater, everybody was just in sort of general good spirits because we're having fun. It's midnight. It's it's arc light. And when we were there, and when you the walk light, out of a movie, I stand by this. When you walk out of a movie, you really want to yeah. like it. Exactly. You, your That's your true. brain is working yeah. overdrive to convince you to like a movie. We should also mention that John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. were there to intro the film. Right. Like and so. We have our fanboy moment. They're excited. We're excited. It's and the they basically light. make a, a very a, a personal plea. They go, we worked really hard on this, and we're really proud of it. And you know, and, we yeah. we hope you like it as much as we do. And your brain, as a human being, goes, you want to root for I, them. I root for you guys because John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. genuinely, by very all accounts, guys. good, likable guys. Yeah. I, it wasn't until I saw Cowboys and Aliens that I really realized. Mm. Where you could allocate a lot of the issues with this movie because I gotta see that. I saw yeah, a I lot of the same problems in Cowboys and Aliens, just in in the sense that a lot of muddled threads that don't quite pay off, that are just sort of swirling in the ether and land where they do, as opposed to a clear trajectory for all of them, and um and, and like too many elements mixed in there, and right. uh, and, and it wasn't until after I watched that uh, just this last um. Uh, this last summer with my with my father in law that I I left that theater and going, holy crap! It's every, and when I was illustrating to him like every problem I had with that movie, I'm like I sound like I'm describing Iron Man too. Mm-hmm. Like I I and and that made me sad because I I really respect John Favreau as a filmmaker. I love Swingers, which he wrote. I love uh, I really like Made, which he wrote as well. And I think that's a fun little film. And uh, the uh, the first Iron Man I I can't express my love for more. And uh, and and so now it's it's just like there there's some pr- recurring issues now that I'm sort of noticing. And this is all this is all very cute and everything, but I have a feeling if the military wanted that suit, they could get it. They would get it. Yeah. 
there's there's a little concept in in government and law known as eminent domain. Yep. Which basically means if the government wants it, it will take it from you, and it can. I mean, especially something that's like you know. Especially something that's so related. Yeah, eminent here. domain refers to when they want to build a freeway overpass over your house. They can take your house and give you the market value for it and tell you to go fuck off. That doesn't even have anything to do with national security <laughs> or a giant suit that can fly into energy pulses. Right. I'm sure the government would find a, a reasonable, from their point of view, excuse to take it from you. So here we have Ivan building his uh, electro whips. Right. Which in the beginning, we had him building the his own reactor based on the blueprints that he got out of a box of stuff of his father's who worked with Tony conveniently so he could have blueprints. Um, I always... Ryan, I don't recall you going into this on your video, but um, from an effects standpoint, as as Mr. You did Kristen Bell's Lightning on Heroes, Lightning Guy, how do you feel about the effects? It's very cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. They they do really good. And uh, What do you look for? This is an obscure question, I guess, but what do you look for in a successful lightning effect? Mm, It's all behavior. It's all how it moves, the animation of it. And... um, you know, it's it's not letting you see it for too long. It's the sort of the shape of the the arcs and things, and then it's all secondary stuff. It's it's the light it throws, it's the glow it has, and ILM's really good at, at glowy stuff. Like uh, they have fantastic lightning in like the last Harry Potter, like for like a second, it's like oh that's amazing. Or later at the end, one of my favorite parts visually is when they're fighting um, Whiplash in a suit that he built in like a day for some reason. Um, even though like everything else was supposed to take care of it, he also built a suit just cause in case I guess. Um, like all the all the blue light and everything, like the glows are really like fantastic, and they zapping everything around and all that fun stuff. So, nerd. Anyway, nerd. No, good though. I like that. That was good. I uh, my uh, you know my main problem as far as um, not my main, but Iron Man doesn't have the deepest rogues gallery in terms of. Uh, it doesn't have the greatest bench of villains. Yeah, uh, I mean, ever. The, his greatest villain, the one he's most known for, is a horrible racial stereotype, <laughs> and that is the Mandarin. And in the comics, the Mandarin was a Chinese dude who had ten rings that were all forged from an asteroid that all shoot lasers and shit, like like a freeze ray and a gas ray and all this other crap. And he's he's decidedly sixties, decidedly hokey, decidedly racist because they even like spelled out his his affected broken Eng- English. Nice. Um, yeah, and so and so what they did That'd in the be first awesome. movie, they should do that today. Well, what they did in the first movie, which I thought was brilliant, was they made the ten rings. Uh, an, an organization like a a, a, a a terrorist organization if you look at the main bad guy in afghanistan he had a giant ring on his finger Ob- obadiah had another one you know oh, and okay. so and they said and they even in a deleted scene in iron man they even said oh and you have a voicemail from the mandarin you know like they the idea being that there was a guy who was that guy and who was going to sort of be the bad guy and sort of the mastermind of the ten rings okay and i thought that was ingenious yes that's right i think and i could be wrong because it hasn't happened yet so my memory might need to be refreshed the guy who gives ivan his papers his fake papers to get out of russia has a ring has a ring i saw I, that too I yeah think that's i saw the that only too only reference yeah. that that exactly i think that's the only one but that's again that's a more logical thing to follow and especially coming off a movie where you reveal the super the, the hero's identity at the very end of it that there's a lot more fertile ground to draw from than a guy with whips let me drop in a couple of traps real quick uh, doc sub is tropping he points out that uh, a justin hammer is laughably evil and um my my favorite is uh, fake russian which they call lazruski um yeah which is uh and they point out that uh, very few characters from the rush from russia or the former soviet union in western television are played by native russians this was particularly true in the cold war for obvious reasons mm. as with fake american fake brit and all types of fake nationality the quality of the imitation varies uh do you guys think uh 
Mickey Rourke is on this side or that side of make life difficult for Moose he's and straight Squirrel. Up, he's straight up Boris, yeah. He's, yeah. he's straight up Boris Badenov. Um, and I think he's having fun with it, and I I respect his enthusiasm. But I, I kind of compare him to the Emperor in, in Sith. <laughs> I respect Hitler's enthusiasm. <laughs> I'm saying I respect, like, I mean, it's kind of like uh, Palpatine's performance in Sith where it's just like, Wow, you're uh, you're you're He's going for you're, it. You're going you're, for it. You're, you're going to eleven. Yeah, Good for you. Pedal to the metal on that one, bud. Um, and I'm just happy for Mickey Rourke in general. I'm to, just glad he got the paycheck. I am too. I'm glad he's not sleeping in a box. He caught the he caught the ball. He panicked and he sprinted for the end zone. Right. He totally force gumped the the end zone run. Um, <laughs> and no one was there to say stop, <laughs> right. Forrest. Yeah, but it's it's weird because like you also hear in the interviews and stuff how it's like, okay, you're gonna be this character. Okay, great. And then he's like, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I want a lot of tattoos all over me. I want gold teeth. And I want I a bird. Have, I should have like a bird, like a like a you know. Yeah, the bird yeah. was his thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff is no. was his idea, yeah. and it, you can just imagine John Favreau going. Fine. Okay. I can't remember if Whiplash. Well, well, that's why he killed had him at the end. Because that's, that's what I've live. heard. Yeah, he was he was or, supposed to survive at the end, and then Fabio was like, "No, I'm killing this fucker." So <laughs> so I'll never have to work with him again. Yeah. yeah. Had him auto destruct. I wonder how that conversation takes place when John Favreau, the person, has decided I don't want to work with Mickey Rourke, the person anymore. What does he say to the screenwriter? Does he go? And he's one of the he's one of the writers, but does he go? You know, I think we should see what happens thematically if we kill off. No, that's what he says to Disney. What he says to the screenwriter is, I don't ever want to have to fucking work with this guy again. Let's Kill him, him good. Yeah. Then he goes into the, the office at Disney and goes, I think thematically it would work better if we do this. Oh, yeah. That's great. There's a trope called Mother Russia make you strong. Yeah. Kinda, <laughs> that's yeah. adorable. That's yeah, I, re- I would really love to meet an effeminate ma- male Russian. Like, just like a guy who's just like, who's just a Russian, but like not jaded at all and really optimistic and just like <laughs> happy. And, you know, like we never see that in cinema. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., I do want to say, I do wanna say this. Cinema. Robert Downey Jr., uh, legit, fairly decent prank ta- uh, practitioner of Wing Chun, Kung Fu. Uh, been doing it for years. Not a new thing. Not, not you know, he's uh, kind of one of the things that he talks about helped him in a sort of recovery. Uh, but he's been doing Wing Chun for a very long time. And he, as much as he can, tries to incorporate more of the fight. And you speak, you see that more in Sherlock Holmes. The fight, the fights in Sherlock Holmes are very Wing Chun when you see them. But he's always trying to do something more physical. John Favreau, old school boxing fan. Old, I mean, he played, uh, what was it, um, Rocky Marciano in that Showtime movie. Um, that's the best shape you will ever see John Favreau in, by the way. <laughs> that and Swingers, the absolute best. Um, so, I mean, if, if you got Rudy on one side and, you know, um, that's the other side. So uh, so he tried you, – you'll see a little bit more of that. There's some decent choreography a little bit later with Black Widow um, that works in spite of Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk about her. There let's she talk is. about you and me. Yeah, this is, this is a shoehorn Marvel thing. Like, we need Black Widow in here. Um, and so all these scenes you can tell are just sort of for the benefit of the Avengers setup. And, and stuff it's like that, if you're gonna do that, there there's things you can do with that. You yeah, know? You, there's better ways of incorporating it. But they don't really. It's just kind of she's around, and then later she puts a suit on and does things. And it's like okay. What's interesting about the way she fights, and you'll see a little bit of it here. Her reference point of fighting that the choreographers used uh, was not martial arts, not any, not what you would normally expect. It's actually. Um, Mexican and Japanese professional wrestling. Uh, you'll see a lot of lucha libre and a lot of uh, what they call strong style. Puro resu is uh, the Japanese style of professional wrestling that, that they refer to. And there's like specific moves that she uses. And even in the trailer for the Avengers, they stay consistent with that. Um, with a name like Natalie Rushman, there would be more right. than one on Google. 
You yeah, wouldn't find right? it that fast. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I think that's what he was supposed to be flipping through. But All right. Yeah, like the different Natalie Rushmans. So yeah, just head scissor takedown. There's like, like that's, some 12-year-old Natalie your, Rushman uh, on Facebook. How is your Drew Barrymore syndrome? Um, it's, 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 we'll get into it. It's bad. It's, uh, she does the moves. Okay. But she's very stop, start and jerky, especially when she ends on a finishing pose. Like she probably saw her trainers end on a certain pose, but what she failed to adapt is they're in motion and they're loose. She's very extremely rigid. And I finished. Did yeah, exactly. It? And you will get into that whole se- that I like that whole sequence by and large, but it's punctuated very badly by what, by, by what Ryan's perfect takedown in his video is, is just, and pose, you know. It's a very um, one, two, three, pose. It's very rhythmic. One, two, as, three, which pose. makes it super yeah. choreographed. You yeah. Know? yeah. It's like, well, she's yeah. doing those six moves she practiced for three weeks. Meanwhile, she's doing Hurricane Ranas and Shining Wizards and all this other stuff, and they, they look great. She executes them well, and they blend well with her stunt double, but it's it's just very, when she's not doing that, she's extraordinarily stiff. Now, again. Monica looks nice. This is not Avengers. Avengers have nothing to do with this, mm-hmm. and this whole sequence does not work for me, like at all. Oh, no, no. Sure. It turns into like a born identity film for like a second where it's like by way driving of, backwards on the racetrack and it's by like, way of pod what, racing. What the hell yeah. is going on here? Yeah. You can't see around corners. You will die. I mean they're they're touching on some deep issues with mortality and like what do you do before you die and how do you want to live and what kind of man do you want to be when you have an excuse to be a douchebag. There's deeper stuff they're aiming at. They never quite get there. They never quite earn. They're, they're their starting message. to turn their head to think about aiming at it. Right. There's there's too many things going on. They can't really explore anything. Right. They don't have the time to actually like stay on one track for any to right. to actually. They they have enough time to ask a question, but they don't have any time to actually think about the answer to it. Right. They. I mean, there's a you know, Justin Thoreau talks about doing daily rewrites around Ugh. a lot of the improv. Mm. Um, that they would do improv sessions, and then they have to they would have to work backwards. And figure out and how figure, that would fit. Because especially because they did not shoot in sequence. And when you're mm. improving out of sequence and then you have to write backwards to justify some stuff. See, that's that's improv that's uh, improv that's that's worse, the yeah. wrong way. Yeah. Because you're yeah, you you still need the structure uh, you need the basic outline, the basic backbone of what the story is right. and what point A is and what point Z is and how the basic arc of how you're gonna get there. Right. When you're doing improv, because you need those like we were saying earlier, you need those those boundaries, you need that pen. To keep yourself in, because if you're improving with no like limitations whatsoever, no net, yeah. you're going to go everywhere, yep. and then you're not going to be able to 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 uh, to reduce that mm-hmm. to the through line that you need to do. The the first movie is benefited by being anchored by one bad guy, essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, you in the Afghanistan phase, you have the the bad guy there, but once you're back in the world, you have Obadiah to focus on. Mm-hmm. And, one, and even then, Obadiah and the, the bad yeah, guy they are the, the first same. act, they are, they are, they the are same. And they're linked, and they link them well. And also, right. you're benefited by that. But really, who's the bad guy here? Justin Hammer, Whiplash, right. you know, the government? Like, who's the, mm-hmm. who do we focus on? The disease dying? Like, I mean, is that the bad? I mean, exactly. you know, like, there's too many. It's flailing. It's, 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 a, it's a spazzy pillow punch of a, right. of a nemesis, you know? It's, it's grabbing in a lot of d- different directions at once. It's not really grabbing a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I want to be really rich. Right. I don't well, know. I wear sunglasses. Here, here. Here's the thing, though. Doesn't I, really interest me. My, my 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 the job I'm on now is in Beverly Hills, and I fucking hate it. If you follow my Twitter, it's just during the hours of ten to seven, it's misery that I'm <laughs> tweeting because I hate walking around. It's just the level of opulence and um and excess. It, it's it pollutes the air i tweeted to the effect at the time but i I worked in that movie in nicaragua which is a third world country and then a week later i was working on a uh a a spec commercial which required me to go to the gucci store in beverly hills literally rodeo drive and doing those two things in the span of a week 
I hate that place so much. Like, <laughs> just like no, I, I yeah. Yeah, real, real quick, real like quick before we, back, before we get back to sharing the movie. It's a good thing you brought a suit with him. I know, that says Stark. Um, but um, the uh, my first day in Beverly Hills, I had to, on my lunch hour, I had to walk to the bank because the bank was walking distance. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'll just grab food on the way back because I'm sure there's a sandwich shop. No. Like, I'm walking <laughs> and I continue to walk. There's and a I'm, Pinkberry. I'm passing multiple Lamborghini dealerships. <laughs> And uh, and multiple major financial institutions and offices of major corporations and Saks Fifth <laughs> Avenue, not a single goddamn place to get some food. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, as I'm like at my most miserable self, I get a buzz on my phone and it's Facebook and it's Anthony Albo down in front of everyone. Anthony Albo saying, "Hey, are you walking on Beverly Boulevard?" Why? Yes, I am. You look really sad. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, amazing. I am. I'm really, really m- miserable right now. That's awesome. The um, I tweeted a little while back. I work in Hollywood, uh, not in that ritzy part, but it was still. There's a like fucking designer. You know what I mean? Like sans serif, white lettering on glass kind right. of designer pet hotel. Yeah, I and know, there's I a know exactly and there's a black Lamborghini parked out front. Roadster. Exactly what you're talking about, it's yeah. it's a gorgeous car in front of a pet hotel, right? Right. And I tweeted, you know, sometimes. You need to need a pet hotel and a Lamborghini to remind you how good you have it. Right, but, but what I like about Hollywood is that you'll have that, and then next door will just be dead hobos. Yes, and and <laughs> and and you're kind of charmed by it. Like there's just a level of filth and gutter and and layer like a lasagna of filth on the ground everywhere you go, and then a major Hollywood studio. Paramount is, uh, or uh, yeah, Paramount is in a shitty part of Hollywood, and it's yeah, and I Rose like it. Mess. I like that area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Theater Row in Santa Monica. Dirty, just dirt. You walk through, and you're walking through oatmeal of in the air of dirt. Um, in the chat room, Mister Perfect puts the perfect uh, period on this on this conversation. Kurt he says, Henning. "You know, they hate us for our freedom." <laughs> but again, how? And uh, you know, again, uh, not to just refer to it wasn't Ryan right when he said this, but um, <laughs> yeah, how did Ivan Vanko get there? Get in a suit. He clearly doesn't look like he has mechanical experience uh, of working on cars or in a pit. And his he chest. Like he has well, we we saw the out. shot of him with the plane ticket to Monaco. What more do you need? Oh yeah. I guess he knocked out a guy and took the suit or something. Whatever. Yeah. But Indiana it's, it's a bit style. Weird. Yeah, no, it's dumb. So this is random, but the the blonde chick to uh, Sam Rockwell's left, our left there, is a friend of mine, and she didn't oh. tell anybody that she was front and center in Iron Man two. So we were at the midnight screening. On the oh, big okay. IMAX thing, I was like, holy shit, that's Amber. Huh. It, it was actually more like, wait, was that Amber? And then it cuts to her three more times. I go, no, that's definitely Amber. This is on location, though. They're actually in Monaco, right? Uh, Well, that stuff, sure. Yeah, there she is in the green dress. Um, I think they are. I mean, they're, they're on well, a real track somewhere, but... I, I the inside stuff, are probably the ex- not. I mean, their exterior here, and I mean, this... The exterior, sure, but the interior, probably. This that, looks that would be a, a Monacan-ish, set. I guess. But, uh... She is actually, I will say, a very, a tremendously talented actress. Very funny and very, very good and very, very professional. She's the best thing about Iron Man too. She well, just, <laughs> just for you people at home, for the people in Ohio that know nothing about uh, the movie business, even the people in the background can be really tremendous yeah. actors. And they just, it's a matter of like, oh, sometimes it just doesn't. You right, know, it just doesn't add up. Yeah, it does. It doesn't work. Uh, Sometimes, sometimes the trope really catches something, and sometimes they're just sort of like, oh, yeah, that does happen. This is one of the catches something. Uh, the trope is called Vodka Drunkinski, which is yeah. uh, you, you are – I wish you luck trying to find a Russian character who's an alcoholic in, in media. 
Who's not an alcoholic? Who's not drinking in what you're watching? No, I, I want to make a quick uh, note about the briefcase suit because the briefcase suit is something that's been around in the comics for a long time. Mm-hmm. But it was. Are you going to defend the briefcase suit? Not at all. I'm just going to. What I am going to say is that if you're going to do the briefcase suit, it's one of those things. It, it goes to my larger point of make of making it past the 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 filter or the chinois things that. If you're gonna put it in there, make it suit your story. Make mm-hmm. it have a reason for being there, not sure, just like right. here's an element like in X Men Two. Here's another action figure, yeah, an which is what it comes across. In X Men Two, yeah. like Colossus is a major X Men character. He's right. in X Men Two all of three seconds because if they're gonna have him in there, that's the right use for him. He's just mm-hmm. he's still a kid. He's not quite grown up. He works in this scene where this is happening, and that's it, and it's done. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have the briefcase suit establish it better have him justify it have it explained in some way that sort of makes sense and, and work better in the comic it was literally he opens a briefcase and it's this fiber mesh suit that i can put on that's essentially as good as the real like one parts like here's the arm yeah exactly the exactly the, it all fit in the oddly enough arm. how stormtrooper armor is in real life but um right. but uh for here there's no there's no rhyme or reason to it he just happens to have it because the scene sort of demands it mm-hmm. and it's never used or referenced again it has no Meaning, it's just a me- it's just a way to get from one scene to another, and this is a failing of of the the writers. I feel because it's it's it should have not made its way into this movie, especially not under these circumstances. You know what else? My too? my speculation, and maybe this is me giving Favreau too much credit, but my speculation was that it, at least when I first saw it was this is this is Marvel and the studios going. We need another action figure, so get another suit in there. Possibly, but Kevin Feig, like, is I, I give him credit because he there's enough cool shit in any of his movies to justify different. I mean, he, he goes through two regular suits as it is, mm-hmm. and I mean, toys never really rely on that. How many, how many like GI Joes come with different variables that were never made in the cartoon, or how many different you know Jedi stuff? Even in Star Wars, there's tons of Star Wars toys that have accessories that have nothing to do with the show ever. Same thing with Transformers. True. So it's like you know, there's. Tons of shit to do there. You don't necessarily need the briefcase suit. And frankly, I don't even remember seeing a briefcase action figure. You know, briefcase suit action figure. Maybe it's out there, but well, that would be the refutation to my argument. If, if they <laughs> I, I actually, don't know. Right. I don't know. You know, I'm just I'm just speculating. <laughs> if they like, never actually made that action figure, yeah, then I'm, I'm sure they never did. Yeah, because I mean, you have three iterations of of Whiplash alone. You have this one. You have a little bit later, and then you have the giant robot Whiplash, which you know is the, is the big selling toy. Um, yeah, it really is just. It takes it into Transformers territory, yeah, which is I just would agree. a whole other. It's a whole other magic bean. It's a whole other level of suspension of yeah. belief. I agree. It doesn't weigh and it's it's a very, it's a very subtle thing because superficially it's like, well, it's just another suit, and you know the suit is the magic bean, so I buy the suit and I buy another suit, if, but. Yeah. It shows you how tenuous the magic bean and the suspension of disbelief can be. If John Favreau can lift it in one hand, how much stronger is it really going to make him? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he just he just he just did a teep kick on a car and scooted it out like a you know a half meter away, and so it's like. What what really is going to get him if it's going to be that light? Right. When it's in a suitcase form, how dense is that thing? And yes, I understand titanium is a lightweight metal and it's it feels light and it's very strong. I but if get he, that. if he's going to cut a car in half with these electro whips, it's going to cut whatever he's. It's going to half. behead Iron Man. Yeah. 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 It's, it's yeah. And again, it just kind of goes back to my thing. It's like, okay, stolen repulsor technology, whips. Yeah. That's your. That's your. That's what you go to? That's what you go to. By the way, Dorkman pointed this out before the show, but if what Tony really needs is a new power source, and this guy in the ghetto in Russia just created this whole thing, 
Maybe what Doni needs is to sweet talk Ivan Vanko. Right. And get that well, power source because that seems to work pretty well. It's also a, a straight contradiction. You know, the 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 government subplot, the plot that arm of the plot is we need to to stop all these other countries from also having the Iron Man suit technology yeah. because all these governments are working on it, but they're really far away. They're all suck. But yeah. this other plot has this guy building it in his ghetto slum mm-hmm. on nothing in half an hour <laughs> and being able <laughs> right. to take on Iron Man with on, it in an afternoon. In an afternoon. I mean, and they're saying the only thing that he has that allows him to do that is the blueprints. Right. Which, okay, so it's like an Ikea a manual, I guess, <laughs> where it's just really easy once you are there. Uh, the I mean, Hadron Collider. <laughs> the <laughs> Iron Flogman. <laughs> Have you seen that? The Ikea, it's a website, Ikea Instructions for Actual Devices, and it's like... Uh, Somebody made IKEA instructions for like real shit, you know, like car engine and all this other stuff. And one of them, it's IKEA for how to build a hadron collider. <laughs> and it's like, and like one of the caution things is like, caution, don't do this or black hole. Like, <laughs> just... Ooh yeah. <laughs> Sorry, took me a second. Yeah, <clears throat> one of one of uh, John Favreau's other notes from this was, you know, to. The responsibility is to make it as realistic as possible with one change, and he used the the butterfly effect uh, example to to kind of illustrate that. But he basically he was talking about the magic fiend and saying, "Okay, you can change one thing about reality, mm-hmm. and then everything else has to be completely real." And the problem, the why Iron Man one works is because it's very studious to that fact, and Iron Man two doesn't because we got all this other shit going on. Yeah. It introduces but, a lot of beans. But again, yeah. I would introduce that that the majority so, of the shit know. that's introduced is on you, John Favreau. You know, I'm just saying. I I don't know. I I I say this in fairness that I don't know exactly how much Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige and and all those other guys and Avirad. I, if Avirad, I anything to do with well, this. Well, I sure mean, did. is Favreau credited as a writer? The only credited writer is Justin Thoreau. Okay. Well. Bam. Right, That's but Justin Thoreau worked with John. Fa- I mean, John Favreau got Justin Thoreau on that yeah. movie for a reason. Is there just That's a ri- just... is there a story by credit, or is it just the written? Just by? just written by. So I mean, it's hard I, to yeah. tell. It's, but it's, it's I, extra- I mean, obviously, Favreau knows these things. He knows the magic I, being. I and he knows that. those things. I get that, but by the same token, and, and 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 look, you can know exactly what you're doing and still make a movie that has a lot of things wrong with it. True, like, it's just it, it's not above it. I'm just saying the the thing that again the thing that opened my eyes was seeing Cowboys and Aliens and like seeing like too many similar problems fair enough and i haven't seen it you said you haven't seen it either ryan but trey has and he said substantially the same thing that it's just like from a down in front kind of standpoint it's a mess it's it is a mess i mean there's a lot of i mean huge logic black holes and but that we'll get to that that'll be a fun commentary did you see cowboys and aliens i did not okay Hmm. anybody in the room damn it (laughs) because olivia wilde wasn't in it (laughs) open up the window see what was that but yeah but um, but yeah, so I mean, it's it's uh again, so many better armored bad guys to choose from. Crimson Dynamo, got the Russian thing. Way better, way better suit of armor. That's a way that's a, another limitation that if I were, if Disney came to me and said, hey, we want you to do three Iron Man movies, I'm not sure how I would overcome because, to me, it's like well, Iron Man is about a guy in a suit, and the interesting thing is him fighting another guy in another suit. So. Really, the only two things you can do is you can fight a guy in a suit that's bigger than you, which is Iron Man 1, right. or you can fight a bunch of iron suits, right. which is Iron Man 2. That's fair. What else do you really Here, do? And, and the answer to that is that a lot of Iron Man's bad guys that are outside of his regular rotation 
come from dealings with the Avengers. So he does battle the the Scree, uh, the Kree and the Scroll, which are alien races a lot of times. So I mean, yeah. there's you know, which they're not rateable. Which I mean, the speculation is the Avengers, the the it's going to be people, Loki, Loki commanding the Scroll. That's okay. or this or the Kree. I'm not exactly sure. There's like basically an intergalactic war between the Kree and the Scroll, and they and we get caught up in it a lot of times. Um, and that's the the idea is that Loki recruits the the Kree to come down and kick our asses a bit because you see some alien ships and whatnot in the Avengers trailer. Okay. Um. So, but a lot of that comes from that. Um. So a lot of his stuff has to do with sort of Avengery bad guys. He fights Red Skull a couple times. Like I mean, it's just he's fought he's fought a lot of other people's bad guys more often <laughs> than not. And then with the extremist storyline, which um, uh, Warren Ellis took a crack at as well. Um, they, they did some weird shit with that where they made they basically made the armor genetically part of him and it can actually ooze out of his pores and yeah, form yeah. around it's it's uh, really uh, weird. it's right. weird man yeah it's it's it, it's <laughs> like scales that would i've seen cool. some yeah. weird shit man it's it's um it's it's it, it's fun to read but it wouldn't translate that well to screen i don't think so but still i mean demon and bottle armor wars um anything with the mandarin there's plenty of threads you could follow so the X Men have had some bad stories over the years. Like their Australian, oh, true, true. their Australian outback days, their uh, you know days of future past. There's some stuff they have that just would make it nigh impossible to adapt. But again, with a critical eye, you it's, can filter that shit out. Right. Yeah. And the, the whole um, uh, oh god, the, their alien race, their the Shi'ar. Oh, the Shi'ar, the Shi'ar, Shi'ar Empire. Yeah. yeah, I mean like, and uh, Professor X it, marries the Queen, and yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. As much as I love the X Men and the cartoons and the comics. Don't ever, with a ten foot fucking pole, touch that shit for for the screen, right? Because that's not that's a different magic bean. It would it would not work together. And that's why the third movie, which features the Dark Phoenix, has a lot of problems, right? Because you know, the Dark Phoenix is like a whole thing unto itself. If we know how Iron Man two went off the rails, how did Iron Man happen? Was that just the right team, the right time, the right lack of... you got to think about how, how far back it is away from the Avengers at that point, where it's kind of like... We need a we movie. we got to make a good movie for Iron Man, and it's it's really got to work. And we're going to, you know, and then, you know, they worked on it more, I think. This one, it really feels like it had been just sort of rushed through the system of like, all right, you got to get this in there, get this in there, get this in there, and Wait, Typos? Nope. Okay, go. Yeah, it, exactly. it could be a, It could be a, the thing where it's like they, a lot of times, studios with these kind of movies, they go, okay... This release date, this the release date for Iron Man Two is going to be uh, December twentieth, twenty thirteen. So now, and it's like tw- two thousand eleven. You go, okay, well we have two years, and we don't even have a treatment yet. But that's it. That's the release date. And so for the next two years, right. you're racing that release date. And sometimes it's just a matter of the release date comes too soon, and a, a movie takes more work than you have time to do it in. It's so weird to me, and we talked about it on the uh, blockbuster bubble episode of the intermission that. The studio system collectively has a like weekend calendar for three years from now. Right, they know what. Nope, we can't. Nope, next week. The week after. Yeah. You mean a week later, three years from now? Right. Yeah, next week. We have to. And, we can't put that on this weekend because Green Hornet Forty Five is coming out that week. Right, and there and there's people whose Green whole Lantern, job at more likely at uh, you know, at Paramount or Sony go. Okay, well. Paramount has already said that Transformers Five is going to be coming out on July Fourth of twenty fifteen. So we can't schedule our Spider-Man 7 for that same weekend if we want to get our box office that we want. Yeah. And it's like for the next three years at least, you know, people at all of the studios are figuring that shit out. I mean, I th- it's, you know, I think the answer is that I think it is the right team. I think it is the right act. I mean, if there has not been a man born to play a comic book role, it is Rob Downey Jr. and, and Tony Stark. They match very well together. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Favreau? John Favreau did very, very well. I th- I, I'm very. Who, who wrote Iron Man? Uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. All I will say is that Iron Man 3 is going to be written and directed by Shane Black. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And I think that's Lethal probably. Weapon. Lethal Weapon. I think that's probably the best combination you're going to get from. I, I am I, excited for that. I'm very excited for that. Pro- provided. Again, remember, Shane Black is going to have to be a part of the later, the sequel culture. Where there's going to be new toys, and he's going to have to deal with that same shit. Right, and I guess I mean maybe that'll answer some of the questions we have about who's really to blame for this one. When we see, you know, Shane Black is going to be having to live in that same world, uh, so we'll see how he deals with it. Right, but it, it is going to be a slightly different world because Iron Man three will be coming out after Avengers, so he's not going to his. They've said they're going to make that as much of a standalone story as possible, right? And that it's not. It's and maybe not, that's them learning the lesson from this. Yeah, and I Hopefully. think I think they know that, and I think that it's a work in progress. I just I think this. I think the problems with this movie are fruit of a poison tree because I think the problem was here's very our poetic here's our <laughs> thank you here's our bad guy here's the 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 storyline these elements are in there and then Avengers right you know um, and from that witch's brew came something not very awesome enjoyable I like the idea of Marvel Studios going. All right, guess what? In 20 years, we're going to release a pack of like 10 different movies with different characters, but sometimes they mm-hmm. intermingle and and like they're building they're we're watching a legacy happen before our eyes, and it kind of sucks when you see one that comes along it's like, "Oh, that was kind of iffy shit." But I love the idea of them going, "Guys, there's a there are libraries of stories about these We'll say eight characters. Avengers is six guys, seven guys. Avengers like is, I mean, whatever. In any case, I like the I mean, idea of them saying at some point. When all these are done, a, a, a six-year-old kid will just pick a different episode of the Avengers story right. and just pop in Iron Man two. That, that seems it's to be like, the it's like what you talked about with uh, your introduction to Star Wars, and like you just thought Star. I just Wars thought was there was done, a Star Wars movie. Yeah, its own yeah. aisle at the the blockbuster. It's like, well, there won't be blockbusters in twenty. I years, love that <laughs> idea, and it's when you when you think of it in those terms, none of that happens. Unless people go to see them individually. So you do have to, especially for something where it's like, yeah, I'll be the first in my seat to see a movie with seven different random fucking superheroes. <laughs> you really do have to build it into the culture. So you get those movies. But looking back on Gotta it, make sure we the, go one, to the, the ones that are the ham-fisted, we just crammed four characters into this one just because, right. are, are going to seem... It's going to seem unnecessary. It's going to seem superfluous. I, I think I think what they're building towards, and, and, and sincerely is what I hope, is that you know not all superheroes are built equally, you know, and ju- therefore all movies won't be built equally. I don't need every Marvel Studios movie to be a huge budgeted mess. Sure, I lo- totally, that'd be great. I love yeah. the idea that you could any- do a low budge fucking. No, and uh, they are after the event. Archer, they can do Jeremy Renner, Hawkeye. Hawkeye, Hawkeye. I love the idea that Edgar Wright is going to do Ant Man. I love that. I love that fact that it's going to be a small kind of comedic. Eddie? Edgar Wright's going to do Ant Man. I know. I love that. I, <laughs> I, I, I love that. I made him happy. You see that? <laughs> I, I, that's, I think it's a great choice. I love that Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be its own thing. And I love that that's going to be its its own movie. Doc Strange needs to happen yesterday. When Doctor Strange happens, like, and it's and it's got its own vibe and feel to it. That's going to be great. And I'm kind of glad they got all the big superheroes of the Marvel universe out now. They're done. They're out the door. They're their own things. They're off and running. Now we can like go in and cherry pick. You no, know, they're going to remake Spider Man. Well, well, yeah, but like, but okay, Ghost Rider, for instance, the first Ghost Rider movie is such an abortion of a movie. But I love the fact that the guys who did Crank are doing Ghost Rider too, and it's and it's absolutely insane, and every frame of it just looks absurd. Like that's what Ghost Rider should be. He shouldn't be Superman with a flaming skull. He should be this weird, strange, kind of funny, but like dark and macabre sort of thing. I think that's a good point. All these movies do, do, do; they're turning individual discrete characters into 
Superman with. Right. Good point. Had and that's what, and that's why Sorry, Punisher Brian, that's ahead, why Punisher yeah. Warzone works way better than the first Punisher. Brian, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think I was walking around with uh, Jake at Comic Con this year and we saw a billboard for Ghost Rider Two and we were both like, They're doing Ghost Rider Two? Good for them for just for having the balls. But and, and you looked at that <laughs> just thing to, like, and you even looked... to, like have the courage to go back to that and go, Yeah, first one, am I right? But no, let's try that one again. And you looked at the design of the that promotional material they had there, it didn't look very superhero y. It looked very like B horror movie. Yeah. Which is what well, they we should were, do. We were we I mean we were literally looking at banners on the side of a, a building or something You're like is so is, are they doing a video game? Because they can't <laughs> possibly be making another movie, right? Right, right. <laughs> is it gonna be Nick Cage? Yeah, he's mm-hmm. producing it as well. Yep, I'm with Brian and Jake. Wow. Okay, high five. The first one. Okay, the, the, <laughs> you should like, trailer. It'd be like if, if M. Night Shyamalan said, "Last Airbender 2." <laughs> if we fuck ever, you all. If we ever go to war, I want those guys next to me in the foxhole because those yeah, guys. Yeah, it's are like shit ass, it's shit ass pet fuckers. My, like, my, no one will ever ever see Ghost Rider, <laughs> but we'll just keep popping up. My 29th birthday. My 29th birthday. We're really shit we're really busy. We're really busy. Rachel and I had just got engaged. We're really busy. We had just gotten back home from vacation, and like we, it was just sort of like a really messed up time. And she's like, "Look, we can't do a lot for your birthday this year. Thirty will knock it out of the park, and you know it's just twenty nine. And I'm like, "I'm like, it's totally fine. Just, we just dinner and movie. That's fine. That's all I want to do." We go to Applebee's and we see Ghost Rider, and that is that is the Paps Blue Ribbon. That is your of birthday celebration. Yeah, sure. And after the movie, she's like. I'm I'm really sorry. Like she like she had like <laughs> killed my dog or something. She's like I'm I'm really really sorry about this. I'm like I had a good time. That's Applebee's and Ghost Rider. Come on, it's, I, you know. Ryan, I liked your I point th- in the video about how he's about to go off and make a. He's got like 25 suits right here. Just put a battery in him for fuck's sake. Yeah, I mean, I really uh, the whole problem is like okay, so what does Hammer need here? Because he's got the hard work side covered. It's like all you're talking about is the magic being in the first movie, which is the arc reactor, the power source. That seems right. to be the only difficult thing. And you could just get Ivan to make that thing and then make a bunch of them or get him to tell you how to do it. Or, as I raise in my video, go ransack his apartment and take the blueprints that he presumably has as well as materials to build them. Not only that, but like and this is something I would say is that he wants these to be suits that a guy can wear, but they're way too fucking big for a person to pilot properly. Like the limbs don't match up with an actual human. Right, your knee, your, 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 yeah, your foot is in the knee of this thing. Right, not- uh, it's it's not like Robotech where they sit in a cockpit in the center of the chest. That like th- at that point you might as well be a mile right. away. Right, yeah, you might as well just be curled up in a fetal position. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's where warfare is going anyway. That'd be a more realistic take. I mean, Ivan's got the right idea. But again, Justin Hammer, just a a weird. And again, what happens to him at the end? Like it's. What he does doesn't pay off. He gets sort of like arrested, I think, because yeah, because Natalie is like, "Where is he? Where did he go?" And then he gives up information, and then like cops take him away. I think. She has him in the most adorable. So the cops take him ever. away, or does the pseudo Avengers take him away and put him in there? Uh, well, they there. don't have a follow up on that. I think he just gets Who taken knows? away by someone. Question but hey, mark. this is the great part. Profit. That's where you get to use your imagination, because <laughs> the movie's not going to tell you. Excelsior. Sure. Well, I. I mean, this, this movie. Why Stan Lee is a perfect impression of Stan Lee. It, the, you have to prove it isn't. <laughs> if only we had some sort of audiovisual record of don't, Stan Lee. Please don't check. Don't, don't check. If only he wasn't the Wizard of Oz. Take and my word for it. This is what he sounds like. <laughs> if we were going to do, a, God, I'm awful. If we we're going to do a story fix it aspect of this podcast, my my two cents would be to simplify it down to Hammer, sure. and just make it straight. I mean, if you had to pick one, if you had to pick one, he's the strongest, yeah. and he's the. 
He's the he's clearest, the only one with like, clear motivations that make sense. He's the only one with clear motivations that make sense, and he's the only one that, as a character, is already thematically tied into who Tony is as a character. Yeah, and you go, okay, Tony he's the is the antithesis of Tony. Yeah, thematically, yeah. he's the opposite. Tony is this person, and he's he redeemed creates. himself this way. Yeah. and here's the version of Tony that hasn't redeemed himself. That is right. still the the weapons. Justin Hammer is Belloc. <laughs> I, no, you, you, no, that's not. That's, I mean, my thing is this. I think you simplify it. You get to the meat of the Armor Wars storyline. You start off. Uh, Tony, um, Tony's very. He's known as a genius for creating the Iron Man armor. People love him. Everything's great, and he gets complacent, and he gets the Rocky Three syndrome, where he's just sort of like, "Yeah, I'm, I did my thing. That's my that's my life's work." Right then, his designs get stolen by Justin Hammer, who is not as creative as Tony, but is more ruthless than him, and therefore. Spawns the Bill Gates to exactly, Tony and Steve exactly, Jobs. and so he spawns and sells the plans, and you get all these bastardizations of of um, of the Iron Man suit, and in the process, Tony has to rediscover himself and recreate like his new armor to therefore make himself powered enough to go around and 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 stop everybody, and you make it a long thirty six hour period where he's got to fly around the world and just beat the shit out of robots. I'm on board, like that's that's that's. I mean, you need to fill in some gaps, but. That's the if you keep that as like a basic premise or storyline, that's all cool. But instead, we have all this best friend stuff, and then his relationship with Pepper, and he's dying, and yeah, he, there's a like, lot of shit. In this a movie. Lot, lot and of Pepper shit. really gets short stripped in this movie as a result, especially good. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, good. Oh, good. Talk yeah. about that. Why do you hate her so much, Gwyneth Paltrow, or the Pepper oh, well, character? It's, I don't. I don't mind Pepper so much. I don't. I you just, just hate fine. Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't even really hate her. It's just funny. Uh, okay. In the chat room, <laughs> they're pointing out uh, the problem is that San, uh, J- J- Justin Hammer isn't really cinematic and Ivan Vanko is the picture of cinematic just this big burly mm. impressive guy with a thick accent and he'll fuck uh, you up in a superficial way but when you have Sam Rockwell playing him you can put the charisma back in yeah, yeah. well guess what the first He's half of uh, Iron Man 1 is Tony in a cave it's not terrifically cinematic it's like it's it's telling but it's, a dude in a room. it's compelling it's, it's, it's dude a, in a room yeah it's, yeah, it's a dude Ryan in the dark with room. the wind hammer but it's emotionally compelling that's what's important pour one out for DJ AM ladies and gentlemen that's not to say you couldn't take the Whiplash plot and then completely revamp it and make it into something good. Revanko. We're not very close to that with this uh, this version. Yeah, again, they're teasing Demon and Bottle. They're teasing our But the thing wars. is, they're they, teasing, they, they like, do it here like they waste it. It's like yeah. you can't go back and do that. Exactly. You know? Exactly. This was the so shot, true. you know? Right, because then it, what if he has his... What if, <laughs> I was about to go to the bathroom, but Braden got me right. Was I? Tony Stark was cinematic in a cave with a box of scraps. <laughs> <laughs> nice, very well done. Yeah, because then what if they want to do the alcoholism in Iron Man three? It's like, well, too, too we late. already did this. They, yeah, they wasted it in this five minutes of this movie. Can't waste drunk you can't, can't do armor wars because Whiplash kind of did that, and then with the drones at the very end and all yeah. the different, it's like, oh great! So we're oh, it's so like they, they just burned through five movies I of like couldn't, shit. I couldn't couldn't agree couldn't agree more. You know, it's also funny just from a visual effects no. standpoint is like in this movie a lot more than the other one. Tony's wearing like part of the chest right, piece, and right. everything else, everything is, else they had to match they, move on to. They him. showed a they showed a, a a still from set of him on the donut, and yeah, it's yeah. chest piece, and that's it, and just like striped like yeah. Beetlejuice clothes yeah. for the rest of it. Again, and and that's the thing. So my like, question on this part was like, why there's an arc reactor in and, all and, these suits? in War Machine? Like just he built cause, more just yeah. for the ones that he puts on display, right? And again, I love War Machine as a character. I love when to, he's already I, carrying around his own arc reactor. So uh, right, if he's building right. more suits for like, himself, wouldn't he be concerned that it would get? I mean, wouldn't you want only the one <laughs> yep. that you're going to keep on your person at all times? Yep. Yeah. 
and uh, for just anybody to, so especially Don Cheadle can jump in and right, you know. or any of these other strangers. Jarvis, suit me up, please. <laughs> any of these other drunken strangers? Yeah, I love War Machine as a character. I love War Machine. Um, I, I think there's so much potential you could do with War Machine, um, but it's it's it here. It just the it, it makes a sense, but like That's so stupid. Here's here's the part where you're really it's like so going. Juvenile. Oh yeah, exactly. You're like going. Oh, I see what they're doing here. We're gonna play some music. Uh, and we're going to have them yeah. fight each other in his house. And it's like, you want this. You want two metal men to fight each other. And it's like, that's that's not – you're missing the point here big right. time. Right. That's I, not I, what we're here for. Similar to Tron Legacy, it's like, you like light cycles? Are you like light cycles? Wait till you see light jets. Yeah, it's exactly. like, well, actually, when I think about it, I don't want light jets. It's like, it, it doesn't really work dumb. at yeah. all. Now, I, do I want to see them fight if it's earned? If it makes sense, if there's a reason, for them, a reason just, for them to fight, we clearly as quickly as possible got to a scene where we can have these two fight. That's right all. in the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, through his whole house. Right. Yeah. I'm surprised. Like, but it's also like a funny thing where it's like apparently Don Shield's pretty good at uh, you know just jumping into the suit and being really well. He's a pilot. Good at oh yeah, yeah. Because, it's because just like flying thing. a plane. Oh, totally. It's well, this, like yeah, it's, I remember that we this even. Remember how hard it was for Tony the first time, like yeah. to to learn how to even do anything. And it's completely unset up, and it so needlessly, like it was so, it's so, would have been easy to set it up because you have the whole scene in the beginning with the congressional hearing, where they're saying, you know, train our guys to 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 fly. That's it. like the compromise they make. And, or well, something. well, Tony's saying like, I can't, I just can't, I, it doesn't work that way. Right. And then you have uh, Don Cheadle come in, and it's like, you could easily accomplish set up this. By saying, having giving Don Cheadle a line going, Tony, I know that's bullshit. You taught me how to use it last week, mm. and then you you establish that he's lying in the first scene, and you pr you show the fact that he knows how to use sure. this. I mean, not to mention that it would it's be kind so of like, fun to it's watch. It's so simple a scene and easy that they just didn't do it. I mean, it could be fun to have it, have scenes where I mean, not that it would fit into this movie in any way, but if you're doing something else, perhaps where you have him. Where Tony has to train him to use the suit, but he doesn't really want to, right. and so he right. resents this whole thing, and you know. It would be kind of funny. That would be one way to go. If but it, instead, he just shows up. If there's a reason for it. They fight each other. And then, of course, this thing here where they shoot the lasers that bubble explode in between them. Well, they cross the streams. They cross the streams. They cross the streams. <laughs> yeah, this uh, it's very convenient. It, I do want to say, some. we should point out some of these uh, set pieces, especially the last one we'll talk about more, but were actually designed and consulted by Gendy Tarakovsky. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. He does. Well, he he kind of designed work. the whole end scene, and yeah, where the, it, the story it suddenly looks it, like yeah. something Samurai Jack would do. Yeah, oh, yeah. you see, you see the the oil arterial spray, and <laughs> she, like yeah. when he's like Mona do oh, down, exactly. and you just see the reflection. It, it does play quite a bit. And just that like, setting, the environment of it, and all the yeah. stuff falling, and it's very sort of you know, yeah. You can you can definitely feel his hand in there. And again, I remember in the hype leading up to this, like individual scenes or descriptions would get out, and like the scene where Rhodey chooses all of his weapons from Justin Hamburg and says all of them. As an individual moment, as a fan, you go great, but you yeah. you assume the context is going to make sense. And I feel like I feel like we're in this weird place where we're not just. I feel like you know, ten years ago, we a lot of movies were built for the trailer, and they that is a thing in studios. They say your script has to have five trailer moments in it, like, and I get that that's part of movie making these days. But now I'm getting this weird sense that like you have to have these sequences that will be great on the pre-release hype internet Comic -Con. Get the cheers at Comic Con. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's so, disturbing me as someone who's been to Comic Con for like half of my life. That's a that that makes me sad. <laughs> 
Okay, so the reason he he flies away is to bring the suit to to the military. To the military. But why does he why does he leave Tony in the suit that he has? I mean, at that you'd think he'd be if, at that if point. Why, like, him, if his yeah. whole gonna, point was I have to stop you, you'd yeah. think he'd like commandeer the suit. Yeah, or, or, take it. or exactly. yeah, something. But I, I, but again, it, nothing's ever clearly illustrated. Oh, pretty airplanes. This felt airplanes. yeah, right. This oh. felt kind of uh, felt kind of bayish, to be honest with you. Like this whole thing. Sure. Yeah. The sequence. I don't know. Yeah. There, are, there are stealth planes. Your argument is invalid. It doesn't matter. No, I'm just saying, like, like, like <sighs> military porn. You know, like just sort yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. you're absolutely right, and it's awesome. I'm, I'm not necessarily complaining. I still, I just recently watched the third Transformers movie. And you know what? I, I had fun. Um, I heard uh, from, I ever, from everyone that liked Transformers one. I've, they all said Transformers three is better than Transformers one. It's way too long for people it's that hate so, Transformers. So, so long though. I heard it's the worst because it's so long. It's so so desperately long. There's about I think two is so still long. the worst, but two this is still one the worst. Like, yeah. Do you like it? Yeah, I fell asleep two times. Uh, and you I, love Transformers. I skipped through because I, I downloaded one. it. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, now I'm not excited yeah, I about it anymore. And the third one. It, there's there's an hour long sequence in the middle there that is it's it's a pretty insane set piece. Um, okay, so um, there's yeah, a lot of too. Yeah. So one reason why I'm I'm more willing to give really quickly this donut down the street from Down in Front Studios, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> No, this one's oh. this one. No, this no, is this down. Is in, uh, this is the one by LAX. Oh, LAX. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of something else. It's uh, down by where Seth works, actually. Yeah, it's right near my apartment. Um, so one of the badass reasons, motherfucker. One of the reasons I'm willing to give John Favreau a little more credit is one of the things he said in <laughs> in his interview was that this scene, or the way Marvel originally wanted it, was supposed to happen at Avengers headquarters at the Triskelion. At the yeah. Triskelion, and he was like, "No, that's that's totally completely unreal." Yeah. And here's, you know, they okay, they had to have this conversation. They have to. It's at least funny that, it. that that it's yeah. That it's it's here. here. At least it's a little more real. And he 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 described it. He was, he was trying to find the the human context for it, a way to make this situation human and relatable. And the way he did it, he was like, "Well, this okay, this is." Tony falling off the wagon, and now he has he's got to meet with his AA sponsor, and fess up to his AA sponsor. Right, and that's w- how he tried to to do this scene. So it's like, well, he's trying. You know, the the guy that understands that characters have to be real and situations have to be relatable. Yeah. he's in here and he's doing his best. But sure, if even like whole scenes like this are being dictated from him to him yeah, by exactly. by the powers that be, then there's only so much you can do. Uh, I'm kind of like if you're going to introduce Black Widow and you're going to have her wrist. Uh, shooter on they never actually use it and all the promo stuff i've seen for avengers she doesn't actually use it she's just firing nine millimeters um uh-huh. i'm a little yeah. curious to see how that goes but the whole thing too here is like all right so why does she even put her like suit on like right. for this yeah scene? yeah well i mean the point that you make in the video take is, your daughter is very, to work day is very valid it's like okay so she's up until this point in the movie she's been undercover she's and undercover, in disguise sure. and now she's just blown her cover and revealed her disguise for at this moment why what is that? Gain? What is gains? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which the whole thing is just stupid to begin with because all it is is like, oh, she's going to do inside recon on whether he'd be good for the event. I'm like, well, it's, clearly Sam Jackson can just walk up to him at any time and be like, hey, how's it going? Right. Like they, they, sort, of, they sort of know what he's up to. You know? and, and it's not like there's any actual suspense on that fact because we know that he's going to be <laughs> yeah, in the Avengers. Well, that too. Yes, exactly. The vein pattern kills me. It kills yeah, me too. It's, it's it pretty, makes, pretty yeah. silly. Because. He's dying, and he's using cool metals and materials and energy to save him. His veins, get this, became Tetris. It's amazing, guys. You <laughs> would not believe the shit that putting a battery in your chest will do to your veins. In your review video, you added laugh track to this scene, right? Yeah, yeah. That's so That killed me. That yeah. so killed me. 
because this does. Just you know what's really funny about that though is is it's it's so cheap. Like putting a laugh track under things that are just not even really funny at all. It just makes it makes them funny. Like it's it's such a cheap shot, which is why sitcoms are terrible. Except yeah. except in the case of the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, where you take it, yeah, can't <laughs> do it. You take it away. Or take it away. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, and okay. Here's where we have. W- the problem with the improv and the characters doing whatever. It's like, okay, it's fine if hmm. your crazy actor goes, I think I should have a bird. I think that's what my character is like. Okay, sure. But when the bird then starts to affect the plot, All right, now it's like that's whole, the problem. It's like a plot point. Yeah, like, we have to spend screen time. Have you ever, have you ever known someone? anybody who carries around an insane person's pet? They will involve it in your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ever met a guy with like a posing chameleon that he brings around with him wherever he fucking goes? That guy will put the... Po- the posing chameleon on the dinner table and be like, by the way, he can do the Burt Reynolds. Look at him. Ah, guys, my chameleon. But the question is... This parrot thing is so real. In the, <laughs> the question is, in the movie of your life, does that chameleon affect the outcome in any way? Well, it depends on how much <laughs> yeah. you care. Okay, well, he, yeah. he's his dark lord <laughs> right, and, right. and speaks through him. In the chat, talking about uh, the, the vein thing, Braden says, dude, it's a magnet in his chest. That's how they work. <laughs> You figured it out. <laughs> you, get, you get the Saint gold Clown medal. Yeah. The double stupid thing here is like uh, you've got Hammer who's pretty pissed about like how he's not making suits. He's making drones. And then he's like, oh, man. And then like huffs off. Like there's not anything he can do about it. It's like <laughs> right. you've employed him sort of under how very you suspicious fire means him? that yeah, are yeah. not legal. And you're just employing him in your warehouse. It's like. And now Brian thinks the parrot's stupid. Yeah. The parrot is stupid. It is. Stupid. But yeah, Hammer should definitely have gotten a contract signed first. <laughs> that clearly enumerated responsibilities and compensation. Well, you'd think you'd have like some guys. In this and all universes in perpetuity. Yes. Why do I always want to say perpetuity? I want that second P. Here's one, here's one thing I have is that we start the show at the Stark Expo, and he's like, "You better steal the show at the Stark Expo." Why did they care how, so much? Well, how long is this thing? Like, did they they established the they beginning? Said, they, they said they said it was oh, for yeah. a, a year. They said it was for a year. That's an awful long expo day of symposiums well, the, the world's fair was like i mean it wasn't a year but it was several weeks wasn't it until nikola tesla blew yeah it up. but again a year i mean like jesus <laughs> yeah i don't really get I that ad- whole I, but I, also com- why does the military care about showing something off like why did why do they want to oh we got to acquire this and put a bunch of guns on it and we got to show it off so the american people like our suit that we stole like what yeah no, so, so the republicans win the next election no it's it, it's it uh yeah, we, I wish I, 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 I wish I the world I wish oh, yeah. the world would work that way. Uh, uh, you know, I do remember when they unveiled the stealth bomber, and it was like this big news event, and everyone was like, "Fuck yeah!" I wish we kind of kept doing that. That it was fun to do, but right. yeah, we realistically don't live in that <laughs> well, world. Th- they kind of defeat the purpose of the stealth part of the bomber. <laughs> True, yeah. <laughs> but it looked, but you know what I'm saying when they unveiled yeah, yeah. it. When they but unveiled they go, it, yeah. What, it, the giant America, fuck yeah, moment. Yeah. yeah. Which, although, I mean, then the question becomes, if you're living in this world where Avengers exist, don't you have that big America fuck yeah with the Avengers themselves as opposed to just the Iron Man suit? That's it, not happening in this movie. Something cool has to happen in this movie. It's happening in this movie. I, You know, here's the thing about the Avengers. The Avengers was supposed to be Earth's mightiest heroes. You know, it was supposed to be from the Earth. And also one from not the Earth. Right, yeah, Thor. <laughs> right, yeah. Just but while well, he, li- that, well, again, Thor in the comic was Earthbound. Like he was the only time we ever saw him was here in Earth. He was trapped here essentially. Mm. But the thing is, is that it very clearly became an American thing, and so then that's what, and then not only that, but just an East Coast thing because they were based in New York, and that's why they created literally West Coast Avengers, and then I swear to God, Great Lakes Avengers. 
like for the Midwest because the Midwest because Michigan through Texas needs it became, its own it became Craigslist basically it really did well, yeah, well, SF Bay Avengers let's be honest Detroit could use them Detroit needs a hero those guys are just like the dude in kick ass though really it's, 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 you're getting you're scraping the bottom of the barrel no, well Hawkeye the, Hawkeye broke off the lead West Coast Avengers like all right Hawkeye fine but Great Lakes Avengers was literally like just the bottom of the barrel like. We all know yeah. that Hawkeye is the queef of the Avengers. Yeah, you go off and be on that one, City, sure. It's Hawkeye, a real Avenger, is it? Hawkeye's kind of a badass. He's way more badass in the Ultimate Universe. His family gets killed, and then he goes off the All I know is that Jeremy like, Renner plays him with, like, short sleeves. Yeah. And he'll shoot, he's not, you, he'll he's shoot not, you with his little bow and arrow. He's not, doing, he's not doing the mask, which is good, I think, because the mask is sort of ridiculous. It's got a giant H on it. Um but uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, I mean yeah, Patton Oswalt has that bit. Hey, he, they got him at a sporting goods store. I like the way you tetherball, sir. You could fight Ultron. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, the 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 main thing in the Avengers. I mean, the the main three is Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man. Like those are the three guys you need most definitely. Charlie wants to know: Is there an East Coast West Coast problem with all the Avengers teams? <laughs> right. Yeah. Did did Starfire <laughs> ever fucking get into some shit with uh with Ant Man? Did Wasp ever? You know. Gun down. Um, I love it when they call me Big Papa. Yeah. The part I'm interested to see in the Avengers is like, okay, you've got you've got Iron Man. He's a guy in a metal suit, and you can kind of shoot lasers, and he can fly around, and he's really strong, so you can like smash. Them. That's cool. All right, you got Captain America, real beefed up, you know, kind of super soldier sort of thing. That's good. Yeah. You have Thor, legit god, the god of thunder. Yeah, who can fly around with a hammer and destroy like a building. Which right. I mean, that was Hulk. Hulk okay. If if Thor doesn't do the job, is everyone else really gonna be up to it? Like <laughs> here, here's 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 the way, here's the way it works. Is that and and ultimate ultimate Avengers did this the best in terms of what they did. Originally, the Avengers got together to fight an out of control Hulk because yeah. Betty Brant. <laughs> I figured it would have to be something. The right. best part about it was that is that you know Bruce Banner is doing work and then he's still in love with with Betty and Betsy le- or Be- yeah Betty goes. Um, She's like, I can't talk to you right now. I'm on a date with Freddie Prince Jr. And that causes him to hulk out and chase through Manhattan trying to kill Freddie Prince Jr. And then they finally the way they do it is they the the way they um the way they get him down is they shrink him down to Bruce Banner and, just, and Captain America just beats the shit out of him. Then once they do that, they've kind of got the beginnings of a team and then they go off to fight a greater threat. Is it is it the Civil War storyline where at the beginning they just they launched the Hulk into space because Planet Hulk Planet Hulk Planet is Hulk that, great they're like you know if if he comes down on the wrong side we're fucked and so we just have to launch him into space and hope he never comes back no what they did they is basically what, they basically did a uh, they basically did a mice of men to him they was like Hulk there's a special mission we need you for and then they just fire him into space because he's okay. been fucking shit up for too long he lands on a planet nice. where he gets thrown into a gladiator pit where he's not the strongest dude there and then he becomes extra strong because he has to learn to fight properly <laughs> and then he like becomes the king of this planet marries its queen has a son and then the planet gets obliterated by a mis- childbirth <laughs> uh, by a mistake that reed richards makes so hulk gets on a ship comes back to earth and says you're all fucking dead great story wow great great story wow <laughs> that is spectacular okay Okay, so Hulk is on another planet. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> well. And he marries the queen and blows up. And he goes back and. It's a great story. That's the problem with it. That's not what you sounded like. That's just the character that was in my head. <laughs> that's the filter. Right. <laughs> that's, that's not what you sounded like at all. It's just. 
Right. That's the problem with adapting that medium to the screen medium. And, and that's the suspension disbelief. Yeah, it gets yeah, up yeah, so yeah. much more. And it goes back to what you're saying. You have to, you have <laughs> yeah, to pick totally. the right stories. I, I love that story. I own it in the hardcover edition. I never want to see a movie made out of right. it. Right. Ever. Like, I don't mind if they do an animated thing. That's fine because the animated things tend to be their own thing. They can be a bit more canonical. That's great. But for this, for a mainstream movie that has to win over people that are not just comic readers, mm-hmm. it, it's not going to hold up. Brian, your handwriting should be a font. Thank you. It's cool looking. <laughs> Look <laughs> at how he wrote subjective. Look at that. That's cool. Looks nifty. You should have written I can the barely read it. Uh, uh, Declaration of Independence. <laughs> we hold these truths to be self-evident? Well, uh, no. Never mind. When you remind me of the things that they said there, that was. I don't think your font would work. Oh, okay. Let's see. Do I have anything else interesting that he said? Let's see. The minute it stops being real and becomes spectacle, it stops being subjective. Uh oh. Hmm. But again, I, I just I feel like I should hold a mirror up to John Favreau's face as he's saying this <laughs> stuff because I I can't. That, that could very well be true. I can't lay it all. This was a confessional. What he was. Saying. Yeah, maybe. maybe, and maybe, and maybe that's the case. <laughs> but. See. As more elements become more superhero-ish, it becomes harder to keep it grounded as a storyteller. Sure. So, uh, yeah, as the spectacle gets greater... Do you do this with us? Do you just walk... Do you, like, record the things we say so you can, like, pull it up on your iPad later and be like, no, Teague, at one point you said the uh, the score to Tron was, was awesome. There, was it really easier or faster to write with your finger in cursive than to type into a note application? Yeah, I think so. Yeah? Yeah. Right. See, I have Penultimate. I have that app, and I hate it. I've used it, like, three really? times. Really? I love I Penultimate. Can't, I can't quite get it, but... I get it. Pen I, no, ultimate. Uh, how do we feel about this? I, I like the idea that his father can help him with something, but again, I don't know how it connects to before or after. Like, and aside from the fact that, in, in, the, in terms of the plot, in terms of the plot, it like yeah, it solves his his uh, his yeah, that awesome part, cancer. Or yeah, whatever. That, I just want to see sketchy. Mr. Stark go all Winnebago man on it. <laughs> Sir, that should have been that should have been in the movie. No, I, I but I like this idea of it, and I don't I don't mind the father son issues that kind of go on with it and i understand they're trying to mirror that relationship with ivan vanko and his father and i and, and that's fine mm-hmm. but none of it really lands none of it really connects to one another the yeah the actual story of him uh, the part the story elements of him you know using the old film and then the model that is all just yeah that's just yeah. complete why, creating a new element why, like, why does it why does it dad have the new element in the first place and then design the whole world right, fair around it right right why does he just go public foresee, with it did he yeah. foresee the problem that tony would eventually have with tony's own creation several decades down if it the was line? something if it was something that what? he started but couldn't finish but tony finished for him yeah fine er i guess but like less not fine less not fine <laughs> yeah closer to fine as sure. the indigo girls say as the limited approach the, the part that works about this for me is just the the emotional aspect of the end outside of what this is trying to do as far as just solve his little problem but for him to actually have some sort of opportunity <sighs> where he gets an insight into his father that he did not see as a kid where he actually right. expressed affection for okay him well and, here, know, here's a, things like that to to make the distinction you know, thematic story-wise, it's great. I love it. He yeah. has a moment. He has the opportunity to reconnect with his dad in a way and get his dad get what he's always needed from his dad, which is for him, his dad to say, "I love you and I'm proud of you." Mm-hmm. Thematically, story-wise, love it, awesome, great. Yeah. But then, then the plot-wise of, oh, I need to get my the MacGuffin that I've been looking for so I don't die in the third act. Right. To get that from the same ballpark, it makes no sense whatsoever. And is you know, as we've already talked about. That whole MacGuffin aspect of it makes no sense on its own. So then to add this mm-hmm. aspect to it is just piling I mean, crap the, on top of crap. The implication that they're making is that Howard Stark not only invented the arc reactor but couldn't quite do it himself, I guess was the idea. That he also w- was seeing forward to the part where 
I don't know. It has it has toxic, uh, you know, byproduct or right. something. And so, if you could create this element, then it would be clean. Except I have absolutely no way of synthesizing that. But I can give you the blueprint for it by like, here's another by thing. Where he doesn't want to get handed these uh, things for some reason that I are not clear. The strawberries here on Route One. Yeah, on PCH rather. Yeah, he's like, here. Take it. I don't like people handing me things. Huh? Okay. Sure, why not? But, yeah, it makes no sense that he would just build that into the design of the whole yeah. expo. Well, he made the flying car. He made a flying car. What yeah, does that have to do with, yeah? He can make a flying car, but he can't make the arc reactor work. He did make right. a flying car work. Is a part well, of the I mean, we oh, can yeah, make flying again, cars now. But that, that's also, your, like, I mean, that 1943 versus 1960 versus, you know, whatever. But, um... <coughs> Yeah, and like again, I, I at this part of I think it was this part of the movie. I was still enjoying everything, and and I don't want to. I want to stress something that I kind of on on the either already has come out or will come out Tron Legacy commentary. But there are things about this movie I enjoy. It's not that this movie is unenjoyable. There's sure. things that work about this, um, and some good visuals and set pieces and and stuff like that. But um, we're, and I, I was kind of hitting at this earlier. I just feel like a lot of movies nowadays are are getting. To this, they're becoming victims of their own success and becoming just bags of things, as opposed to yeah. a, a thing that That's is a really good way to put it. Just bags of things, and some of those things are great, and some of those things are not so great. And what they have to do with one another, if, well, the, if they if they yeah. connect, great. I mean, the problem for me you is know? like, okay, here we have two movies. You have Iron Man one and Iron Man two. If Iron Man two does just as well or better than the first Iron Man, and there's no statistical reason mm-hmm. that a better movie. Is better Where's to the people who pay for movies yeah. and make them. If there's no, that's going to be a problem. If there's no financial incentive to tell a good story, then no, the people making the decisions no will not be telling a good story. The it's, only time we're the only, seeing it with Transformers, at least, exactly. And the only chance that things do is when you get something that costs very, very little, but because on virtues of its story is so good, makes mm-hmm. a proportionate amount of movie or amount of money to justify that movie. Like that's, that's and, increasingly tough to do. It's increasingly tough to do, and it's and. You know, I mean, I, unfortunately, the way that breaks down in television is reality, right? Yeah. I, I feel like, and and again, you're lucky if you get a good reality show that's actually good and relevant, and like and, and cultural and has something to say. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I I'm getting to this point now where I'm rooting for movies that I I'm not even like like Source Code. I liked a lot, mm-hmm. but I didn't love it. Yeah. But I want it to do much yeah. better. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want it to succeed wildly. I just Not, saw in time. I feel how, the same again, way. Yeah, oh, that's I, moon in yeah. time source moon, code yeah. things like this. Like I, I enjoy them. Is in time worth it? Please tell me it's yeah, worth it. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Okay. Yeah, I like yeah. It. and right. like I, I, you know, equilibrium. Even it's like I, I want, I want these things to succeed more than they actually should. Yeah. Because I feel like somebody needs to take notice. Yeah. And say, hey, look, there's other ways of doing this. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, I mean. I'm. I was really glad that X Men did well, not because it was X Men, but because it was made well. Which I lived. You, which one are you talking about? The first X Men movie. One. Okay. I lived through the first Punisher movie with Dolph Lundgren, and I mean, mm-hmm. Punisher was the first character I really loved in comics. Like the first character that I really, absolutely fell in love with, and they butchered him, and then they remade him again in 2007 or six, and I was really excited because I'm like, okay, we're in this renaissance now, where comics are actually have a shot at being a good movie and they still dropped it. And it's mm-hmm. like I'm I root for these things when they're good movies, not just cuz they're comics and I I feel like I want something to succeed that shouldn't. You know what I mean? I like Ant-Man. I'm not a huge Ant-Man fan, but I hope Edgar Rice knocks it out of the park or Edgar Wright knocks it out of the park because somebody's got to. You know, somebody's got to for a smaller budget and in a different way. 
comic wise, <laughs> comic wise, and I said this on Scott Pilgrim, like I despise the Scott Pilgrim comic, but I wanted it to be awesome because mm-hmm. yeah. something different needs to happen. You you just want somebody out there to fucking tell a good story for God's right. sake. Right, but in the context so of at least like two things different, it can be genre, it can be comic book, it can be all these things, but it can still be good, good. and not break the bank. You don't. Yeah. I mean, again, Iron Man one, half the movie's in a cave. Yeah. You know, I mean, when if you talk to a lot of people who don't even know Next Generation all that well, uh, you know what what's one of their favorite episodes? Touch of Evil or uh, um, Touch of Evil? Not Touch of Evil. I'm sorry, where Tasha dies. Oh, Skin of Evil. Skin of Evil. You know, because it's planet set, you know, they're, oh, yeah. you know, they're, uh, they're on, they're it's not uh, a great episode though. Not a great episode, I mean, but, it, but a lot of people remind or like, remember it. I, I certainly remember well, it's it. Just because like, they did something bold. Exactly. It's not that yeah. it was good. Take a chance. But there were actual really consequences. To yes. 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 Yeah. yeah. That you, you set up a situation, you, you put characters in that you fuck their shit up. And then at the end of the day, everything wasn't exactly the same as it was at the beginning. Mm-hmm. That. Things happen to these imaginary people, and their lives were forever different as a result. Right, and it's like that's that's in, uh-huh. in, <laughs> in yeah again in bad, in this sto- movie, in bad stories we don't get that in ba- in bad Star Trek we particularly don't. Oh get yeah, that. No. And Voyager no, no. is famous for its right. reset button. Yeah, and I guess what I'm saying, you know, this this is a perfect example of a movie being a victim of its own success and 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 forgetting what sort of got it to the dance. You know, mm-hmm. hey Brian, yeah, remember that time where you built like a Disneyland and then it was actually the blueprints for. Uh, anyway, how'd you do that? That was really cool. How you did that? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it made perfect sense. T- take us home geographically. <laughs> first, I I, I uh, went to the store. And I got this uh, puzzle of Disneyland's, and so then I traced the image, and then I just kind of built from there. Does that make sense? I, I want Ryan. Yeah. We- I want okay. Ryan Weaver to, to speak truth to power on this sequence right here. This this, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, number one. Why is it ridiculous? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you noticed I was doing a thing there. We're leaning back. Uh, all right, so number one, just holographically, you've got a situation where the best thing about the first movie, technology-wise, is he had a coffee table that was the only thing that could make a 3D holographic projection. And it's like, holy crap, that's cool. And he interacts with it by like touching it, and he spins it, and he flips a little head and throws it in a trash can. And it's like, that's awesome. But the cool thing Which, about Which, by it, the way, sorry to interject, but uh, John Favreau said in the interview that was actually improv like, that was the basic setup. They created a basic situation, then Robert Downey Jr. just fucking did what he did. Okay, okay, good. Good. Well, yeah, sorry. Go on. Yeah, that undermines the point I was going to make. But oh, what's what's good about? I mean, it. Uh, I guess we can use it as a testament to the fact that they they did it well in the first movie, and they uh, then apparently attempted to the, to do the same thing here, and it doesn't work because the whole thing is like, all right, well, he's just gonna like walk through this whole sequence where he, you know, turns all the stuff into a map for an atom, which is a geodesic sphere for some reason. Huh. Um. It's yeah, I don't know. Yeah, by the way, that's not what atoms actually look like. That's what <laughs> yeah. we pretend they look like so no. we can understand the concept <laughs> right? of an atom, sure. but they don't actually fucking look that way. They're yeah. clouds of probability is what an atom is. They're not actual like miniature planets with orbits. Yeah. So, but also, so aside from that, even just technology-wise, the thing I hate is that how in this movie suddenly it's holograms everywhere just all over like the apparently the whole floor with all these dots in it are what create holograms so it's just like oh boy it's six months later and now he has a hollow deck in his garage like yeah. it's just fucking crap all over the place and it's obnoxious i think you're just me. jealous i i would have liked to work on something like this no, I'm trying to i think you're jealous that you don't have a hologram apartment no that's true I, but again I, I don't i don't know i don't know what Shooting masses amount of something at something makes a new thing. Oh yeah, that's I don't. I that's don't a know whole series of question marks. 
Dude, imagine it's, it's imagine total, iTunes it's, once your computer has a hologram. The I mean, honestly, yeah, man, just put on some Floyd and a cedar. My favorite app now is uh, Planet. I think it's called Planetary or something like that. But it's essentially it takes your iTunes music library and visualizes it as a, a solar system. And so each album is Ooh. a planet, and you play tracks, and tracks are like satellite or moon orbits around it and like and it shows the duration of the track in the orbit i'll show it to you later it's pretty awesome i want to go to there i'll show it to you after <laughs> the commentary. it's pretty ama- it's pretty amazing <laughs> and what's great is that like i play like pat Oswalt comedy album on it and like the planets are named like you know um uh uh <laughs> time travel you know or, or like um the parental defense or something like that or you know just some crazy absurd name dr like, submarine disappeared for a while came back he's got some tropes and mr perfect is helping out with tropes too doc sub points out that both tony and his dad. What's his dad's name? Howard Stark. Howard Stark. Bob Stark are jerks with a heart of gold. Uh, yeah, I guess. Playboy yeah. is kind of thing. I, now, well, again, Tony Stark is one of the classic examples. I'm of very curious about like the design of Cap's shield now at that point. Like, I'm like, really? Is that what how is it is that works? thing exactly? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you see, here, here's how you build a shield, Ryan. Let me just tell you, okay? Uh, first, you build the, the framework of the shield, and then you start putting little rafters around inside of the framework, and eventually you have a shield. Yeah. That's how it works. That's I don't know how it was in the movie that they they, did they describe in the comic that Cap Shield has aerodynamic boomerang like proper whatever. Um, oh, see, my, my it's like vibra steel is the only one that they made, and no, they, we're not going to use it. It's though. made out of adamantium. There is a, a no. there is a metal oh, in the called, books, and the books is made out of adamantium. Okay. Right, and the, there sense. is another made up metal in the Marvel universe called vibranium, which means it can That's absorb vibrations yeah. to a zero point, like it can completely <laughs> nullify any sort of like it's a zero. <laughs> I know, but come on. What are you gonna What are you gonna do? Sorry. I know, I know. <laughs> hey, I read comic books. I'm I'm down. Just it's stupid. I know. It's just it's <laughs> that's. I just give me a picture of this character who's like he, none of the jocks would take him. So he just kind of flitter on the high school for a while. Then he found all the nerds, and the nerds wouldn't take him. He's like, I read comic books, guys, <laughs> and that was sad. Just the saddest short story ever. <laughs> So he's got For the sale, accelerator never that worn. shoots a laser through a prism that infuses the triangle with the elements. Ryan, this is how this works. Just shut the hell up. But I like Science! that. The, my favorite part is that the laser doesn't cut the thing that's holding the triangle. It just kind of goes past it, and it's like, uh, no biggie. Again, I just think you're jealous. Ready? It's like, uh, I mean, you have a pretty strong uh, laser pointer, okay. but... Did you ever try to like destroy anything? Did you like burn paper or pop a balloon? No, I don't have that kind. No, it's not. I think you can. Can't you do that with a normal laser pointer if you just let it sit there long enough? No. Uh, Bummer. You need. You need. You need. They do. You can buy those. You can buy those laser pointers that are so strong you can like two hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Pop a balloon and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. Well, this the yeah. There's the one that you can like cut like uh like matchsticks in half and stuff. Like it's God. That would save me so much time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could think of how often you cut matchsticks. I mean, you could theoretically make a laser gun laser as we as we know them in from science fiction. The problem is, the power source you would need would need to be a nuclear reactor the size of it. So that's why I forget where it was, but I saw an engineering schematic where a guy for his like thesis, he's getting an engineering degree, and maybe it wasn't his thesis, maybe it was some extracurricular thing where he just did it for fun with what he had been learning about what he was working on. But in any case, he said, "All right, aside from the fact that we cannot make a lightsaber, we can't do." Because the, the assumption is that what's happening is that it's shooting plasma or something out, and then it comes back in in a loop. We can't do that. But we can just use that as a variable. Like, it'll never work. But here's all the necessary power requirements. And it was like, yeah. you would need a power supply and, and the engineering, something like the size of like a, like a Ford Explorer, and it would have to be tethered. It would be like a stick coming out of this truck of machinery yeah. just to get a little lightsaber. 
Uh, and then, of course, it, was, it would require like the, the power, power plant. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if, like, if it, what it I read, would be what you need to to battle a like a um a, a battleship, right? Like an aircraft carrier. Yeah, an aircraft carrier is like nuclear reactor. Yeah, something. that's what it was. That, that's why. Yeah, and and that's why we brought that up on Phantom Menace, 145 yeah. episodes ago. <laughs> From like the Shit. science of Star Wars book or something, no right? That we well, I think that was someone on TFN actually. Now I think it? about it. Um, but that's why Reagan's, you know, Star Wars. Why his his missile defense shield was always derided for being the ridiculous fantasy that it was. Like Reagan's yes. Star Wars. Yeah, his yeah the SDI, the yeah. defense initiative. Ronald well, Reagan had a program SDI. called Star Wars. Well, no, the the derogatory nickname for it oh, was okay, Star, Star Wars because the basic dude they plan, called a thing Skynet. I don't know. It was a, it was the basic, satellites in the sky. The basic plan was we launched satellites in the sky that would have laser beams that would shoot down nuclear nuclear missiles that were launched at us. Yeah, but it was ridiculous and it always has been ridiculous because the power requirements for space based mm-hmm. lasers is huge. It's enormous. Well, it's a good place to put a giant thing in right. orbit. Yeah, there, well, there's a lot of space. Not inconveniencing anybody. There's space out there. Strategic defense initiative. Strategic defense initiative. Yeah. Ba- the missile shield is... I remember, nice. like, being six years old, hearing about that plan, and thinking that... And, like, probably my first boner. Like, it just... It was seriously, <laughs> like, the coolest shit I had ever Wait a minute. Don't seen. we have planes that actually can laser stuff, though? I thought that was a real thing. Like, in the nose cone? We do now, actually, yeah. Bill Gates um, can like kill can a mosquito actually, with a laser. Like, stuff that you could actually stop something with there, a laser. I there's a, no, there is a heat gun. You might be thinking about that. No, that's something else. No, there, there was. I remember reading a popular science thing a, a while sure. ago that was like yeah. they ba- they mounted a a giant fucking laser inside of a 747 and they could theoretically right. shoot down. But I mean, that's popular science. They're like flying cars next month. We promise this time. And so sure. you know. And uh, still, I'm not go. Want to want to talk about some tropes? We got some cool tropes here. Uh, this one doesn't come up until later, but it's still great, and it shows up a lot. I've never, we've never done this trope on the show before, called "And I Must Scream," which is when you, as an evil character, have finally become your evil self. The first thing you do is you look at yourself and go "Ah!" and then you look up into the sky and you scream. Like that happens. I think that happens with Venom in Spider-Man Three too. Spider-Man Three also. Uh, okay. Th- doesn't it happen that with that moment uh, where it's like, "Yes, yeah." Hobgoblin or not Green Goblin? For what? Are you Spider-Man? I, I would think Both. as often Goblin Goblin is the Goblin. is the maniacal laughter. That too. Probably more than the screen. Let's see if it says also laughter. Guess, you know, uh, character suffers. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I have to. Certainly, going back into the black and white days with you know laboratories with lightning and things like that. That's hey, a lot of full sale. lights. Look at that. That's what full sale looks like. Only on the tour. Well, yeah. God, it was so sad because I was like, I, I came out to Florida to look at a couple of film schools. I sort of, I was going to do visual effects, two visual effects schools. One is full sale. One's the Dave School. And they, uh, the Dave School is a visual effects school, and Full Sail has a pretty robust 3D program. And uh, I took the tour of Full Sail on Saturday and the tour of Dave School on Sunday. And the tour of Full Sail was like this... It reminded me of nothing so much as Christopher McDonald's character in Requiem for a Dream on the stage talking to all the old ladies in the crowd, like, you could do this, and then they all say that. And it's like that kind of that kind of a vibe. Walking around this building where like the render farm is lit with green rim lights and shit like that, where it's The Render Farm is lit as if it's in a Michael Bay movie. Exactly that. And then the next day I went to the Dave School. And that, by the way, that tour was with like 70 people. There was a DJ, like big old fat subwoofer. That The entire tour took place inside a subwoofer. Hmm. And then it was like a fucking Honda commercial. And then the next day at the Dave School, it was, the school's kind of closed, but the, the owner of the school was boating, but he took the day off. He came in and he's still wearing like his boating clothes. And he's like, yeah, come on in. And he unlocks the door and walks me around the school. I was like, wow, that's a difference in philosophy if there ever was one. 
but this stuff's good right here. This stuff is pretty fun. I like his his mugging here, and y- your favorite wine tastes like coconut. And no. uh, oh, oh, that's when you got blending modi, and it stopped working for me. Now here's the thing: they they ba- but in, in in full sales defense, Dave School's render room is kind of glowy too. <laughs> yeah. So the case of you know the glowy cool? render room. For any of you that have ever been in a, I guess uh, more of you would have more likely been in a server room than a render farm, but anything like that. What's what always surprises me is how cold and how loud they are. Right. They're absolutely because not only is it the machines, but it's also usually it's like these big industrial fans in there. Mm-hmm. It's just it sounds like and a train. You gotta keep it cool. <laughs> I, I do. I do like. Uh, I do like uh, Justin Hammer shuffling here. Keep well, you know he can dance. dancing in every movie. I want to yeah. go back and watch Charlie's Angel again every just to see if uh, Sam Rockwell's dancing holds up as well as I can. Oh, look at that shit. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's Ooh, fuck yeah. yeah. Now he does not have. What's the opposite of Sam Rockwell syndrome, where the actor wants to be able to dance, but he really can't? Right. That's awesome. That's so cool. Steve Carell tries to dance in movies, and, and he's admittedly bad, but he, uh, yeah, whenever he dances. Sometimes it's like, you just take joy in it, Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I got dark. Anyway, it's amazing um, how this movie just sort of like, it, we had energy going into this thing. It just doesn't. It just doesn't stop. Yeah, we're not really propelled into the the ending here. We're not. We're not really propelled. We're just sort of dragged into the ending. Like, oh, we've arrived yeah. at the ending. Because it's because well, everything it. that, everything that proceeds doesn't build to the inevitable conclusion. We don't feel like it just sort of collides feel, and happens. Yeah. Like, well, it, th- right. There's there no. There's no. Could you, velocity, there's, there's no, no urgency. There's no. Exactly. It's only. It's only speed. There's no direction to it. Well, let's do the. Uh, I'll give you one more draft test. Using the script, the shooting script, what we see on film here, mm. just in Courier New, could you take with what's there, like, all right, give me give me like a week, and I'll come back with something. You start stripping out some pieces, and you're going to have to fill well, in a few... You'd have to strip You're going to have to fill in a few minutes, so you just fill in motivations and, and theme shit. I, would spe- I like the idea of spending more time with Tony Stark and his relationship with his dad. I, I love that. Yeah. You you would you could put two more minutes in and it would fill the take movie out, with take that. out Ivan Venko completely take out Ivan Venko completely Whiplash as a character you don't need you just need Justin Hammer you just need um, battling over a legacy and intellectual property you can still get your giant robot battle on with him um, corporate espionage you can still yeah. have Justin Hammer take the 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 blueprints somehow right. yeah the armor War stuff happens. yeah he could he could have a team of scientists designing new stuff and so every yeah. scientist has a different take on it and all that stuff in the beginning like all the different attempts you could get a few actual scenes out of that of like his first yeah. attempts like failing but then something happens a different character than ivan Vecco comes along or somebody they finally get something about it right or, or that's when the espionage actually happens and therefore this you know and that actually provides a more natural way for shield to get involved because Shield has as it becomes the, more national security. Threat yeah, they have to exactly. Deal with. And so the like, so the 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 thing to Tony is like, get your shit together, or we will. Mm-hmm. You know, to keep put your own house in order before we get involved, and you don't want to see how we get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get more mileage out of that, I think. And then War, War Machine could be sort of the like War Machine could be initially piloted by somebody else, and then at the very end, you could get. Uh, mm. Bro- Rhodey in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because sure. that would be the U.S. military's answer to Iron Man. Iron Man with lots of guns. Like, you know, just it, it's got more of a, a, a that to it. Iron Man, like, the, the war machine suit design can be the culmination can, of Justin Hammer's work. Yeah. And, um, and from that, you can, and you, you get a, a ticking clock aspect to it. You, you know, Iron Man has got to really hurry to to go and bam, sudden doty. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just <laughs> look at that. You got to, you got to. That is just a simpler, streamlined story. No. Less stuff with Pepper. 
get Black Widow out of there completely, or if you do, keep her on the periphery until the very, very end. Good man. Very, very, very. Let her be the cavalry. It's, it's like the statement. You know, yeah. perfection is not when there is nothing left to add. Perfection is where there's nothing left to take. Have away. her be the thing that gets Rhodey into the suit. You know, have her be the person that allows Rhodey to get in there or something. You know, okay. just get it. Uh, get her in there. Now, somewhere. if you if you wanted to make this movie an independent film and not <laughs> right. a mainstream studio funded film, Lars Van Trude, you could, you could <laughs> dude. You could. Uh, <laughs> it'll be full. It'll just be a movie based on Willem Dafoe's penis. A really graphic Ooh. sex scene based on a true bit, penis. Yeah. You could uh, make the ticking clock. You know, the military-industrial complex personified by Justin Hammer is building their own army version of the suits and War Machine. And then when they're done and ready to go, they're going to go invade a country that doesn't really deserve to be invaded. Right. And Tony has to stop that somehow. But of course, I don't think that the kind of turns you against the government. Yeah. yeah but here's the thing, of- though. Traditionally, Marvel Comics has always had a very like really hardcore liberal slant to it. Captain America was advocating for advocating but for Disney gay soldiers. Not. That's the difference. Uh, well, Disney culture internally, yes. What they project externally, no. This is before the Disney buyout as well. Oh, okay. So right. it's like, so it's 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 one. Of those, I mean, Captain America was advocating for gay soldiers in the seventies. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. like it's it. Marvel Comics has a, a a history of being on the right side of the civil rights movement and on the right side of you know the, the sort of I don't want to say liberal, but just sort of the like progressive, progressive. Yeah. you know, it's, the right side, side of history. Yeah, exactly. Fuck it. Yeah, right? I have two things. <laughs> Bam. Uh, one sudden, sudden finister. <laughs> I have. I didn't bring it up on Iron Man, and I haven't brought it up yet. But I always have a little issue. And Ryan, what do you think about this? Of the shots inside the helmet, looking through the HUD at their face, not the HUD itself. But it always looks like they were kind of a, a, a widely lit thing, and then they kind of crafted the light in post. And the lighting on their face always seems like this weird sort of, yes, we will mask with a feather in a shadow here. And they're kind of feathering off the light down the side of their face, which always looks iffy to me. It, it looks done as if it were done in post as opposed to practical. Yeah, like yeah. they had a, 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 you know, a roundly lit face, and then they just crafted the light in post. Anyway, that's maybe here or there. We'll see it next time in the HUDs. But Eddie, I had a question for you, because earlier on the stage, Justin Hammer... I uh, was you know, doing his G.I. Joe commercial for all the guys popping out of the stage. Yeah. And then uh, the War Machine guy came out, and he did uh, the salute thing. And this is sort of a general question, but... It was a bad salute. Is there... Uh, <laughs> wh- what is the army or an army person's relationship with a civilian saluting them? You, Do they you go... don't salute civilians no. at all. No, no, no. A civilian saluting them. They don't salute... Mil- a, c- a civilian should not salute, is, is it insulting? Is it just guys you're doing it wrong? It's, is it guys that doesn't mean anything? It's, it's more cute. It's yeah. just like, oh, that's... Thank you. It's Pat. patronizing. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, because it's like... It's... Um, I don't... Now, look, if I see like a, a VFW vet or like a World War II vet salute, who the hell am I to say anything to them about what they should or shouldn't do? So if you're former military, it's kind of okay. But if you've never been in the military and you try to salute somebody, it's like, oh, that's that's adorable. Now, what is yeah. the difference between that and a non-army guy going hua or something like that? Adorable. I remember, so, so is it the same sort of thing? It's just like, like, I remember a dude, it's just like, dude more adorable don't. than offensive? It's just... It, does it bother me personally? No, I just think it. I just kind of like eye rolling snarkiness to it. It's like, it's like I'll, I'll it's give like you, a I'll, what do you think you're doing there, dude? I'll, give you, yeah. I'll give you. It's like somebody saying, "Hey, you should really try to make a black lightsaber." It's that sentiment, or like somebody doing a karate pose gotcha. I've never trained in their life. Thank you know you. what I mean? It's like it's like <laughs> any any. It's poser. It's just straight poser. Like it's again. If I see a vet salute, that's one thing. But if I it's see, still culturally prevalent though. You can't yeah, really I mean, no, like, and it's and it it, it it's a. It, it actually predates the U.S. military. I mean, it's it's Knights of England used to do it, but you know, like uh, um, was it? There's a professional wrestler, uh, John Cena. He played. He started in the Marine, and yes. uh, so when he comes to his matches now, he does a salute, and I'm just, oh, I just eye roll whenever oh, I see that. Yeah. It's just like, uh, 
Now this I like. These I guys like look amazing. This. By the way, I yeah, love the camera feed. Yeah. By the way, I like I'm, the sequence. It's just we don't earn uh, it. You know, he's the little Volkswagen commercial Iron Man. Uh, I love the way their internal cameras look because they they resisted the urge to add 100 percent overlay scan lines over that shit they do what looks pretty legit which is just sort of the, the sort of blurry the crisp the, the crisp yeah. blurry overexposed but deep blacks kind of security camera footage i like that look right. i like it a lot i just want to say this sequence like with him air you know chasing after all these different robots should have happened in the end of act one like it just should have that should have been like the stakes that launch us into the movie the movie should have been this essentially for the duration you know mm-hmm. what i mean like this that i mean not as grand of a sequence but at least start us off with a set piece right act two should have been these guys them. and then act yeah. three should be war machine yeah there you I'm, go i'm with right you it's that. just sort of pulled out right at the end like oh and this it's like yeah uh, okay. all right i i and if you I, think about it from a char- character point of view too okay so ivan has built all these guys and he's rigged them up to fight iron man and he's installed shit so he can override roadie and war machine suit to kill iron man we should cut in Did Bill he not Pullman. think that would work? Because then he also built his own suit with <laughs> giant electro whips and all that. <laughs> that, I'm, that I'm actually okay with because that because he would just want one. Well, no, because that, that's just going okay. Here's my plan A. Here's my plan B. Okay. Here's my plan C. It's very thought out. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. It doesn't. It's not as bad on Don Cheadle, even though it's still evident. It's really clear for me on Tony Stark. Maybe it's just because Don Cheadle obviously has a darker complexion, so you don't well, you don't notice the the fakeness of the darkening. But racist. I really notice it on on uh, on uh, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I don't notice it on the black guys. <laughs> anyway. So I'll what, have you know the black guys don't have fake shadows. So what you're saying is lighting effects all look the same on black people. Yeah. It's probably something about either their culture or their ability to play. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I love how every five years, I'm, I think I'm stealing someone's comedy bit, but every five years someone on ESPN just gets themselves to stop talking guy where it's like, I don't know what it is about them Africans, but right. they're great at jumping. And it's like, yeah. just stop talking. Stop. No, yeah. When Rush Limbaugh was a, was that, was right. that him? Yeah. Like five the NFL years wants this idea of a black quarterback. Yeah. I remember that whole thing. Um, I, lo- I, okay. I want to talk about the, uh, the, the fights here. Yes. Again. All right. Okay, so get some Eddie going again, the, po- the pose, the pose is what kills it as Ryan pointed Nut out. Punch. Nut punch. But again, pose right there. Um, Again, okay, so Hurricane Rana into a neck scissors. Again, all professional wrestling moves that are that I'm blown away. People haven't tried sooner in movies, like because a lot of this shit, it's it's stretches believability, but because it's one person doing it for the duration of the take, and there's no wires involved in any of this, like I, it, it works for me. You know, no, we it don't works see a lot in Western. Well, really that, think that, so. A lot of that stuff looks very. Wiry yeah, I was going to say that that first that first move that she does seems very um, wiry. Well, I mean, there may have been wires, but, like, I've seen people do that thing. She seems like a wire to you. I've seen people do that thing without wires. So, like, okay, again, let's let's run it to National King. I like her little mystery discs and everything. Foot sweep. Shining Wizard. Bows, yeah. This this is great here. This is actually a legit. This is the only part that's actually, like... You know, complex manipulation right. and stuff. That's cool looking. Where, where, like, where, yeah, it affects multiple attackers and all this other stuff. We, we don't see. This, oh, that's this, cool. This is a legit, that's, again, a straight luchador move right there. Wouldn't that just pull a guy over? Yeah, I mean, again, it requires, like, partnership with somebody else that, you know. But, I mean, you know, if oh. her objective is to beat these people up, this is overly elaborate, flashy, <laughs> I would agree. retarded I would, stuff. I, yeah, yeah, man. Overly flashy, yes, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call it retarded. Tarted, I would just call it like the existence of, of this world. You know? How kind? I don't know. Well, How progressive of you? Let's I mean, not that's, go that, overboard that's for here, me people. What, what, what separates this movie from Iron Man 1 is that that, that crap wouldn't be in Iron Man 1. I do so, like wait, that moment. Sure. So that guy is hanging by his neck by the fucking wire or whatnot. So is yeah. he not going to die in a minute? And The actor or that, that character? <laughs> no, the character. And that does not... 
not, but didn't okay, anybody. Mickey is making the motion of like, oh, he's got his fingers. He could in probably it. he could probably be okay. Like the thing that when people hang, the thing that kills people who hang nine times out of ten is the guys. Want to do a MythBusters thing? Because I got some rope. Yeah. No, it's the jerking that breaks the neck, and then if that doesn't That's happen, true. in the case of David Carradine, then, yeah, then it's eventually the, they association. Yeah. Or the Good breaking joke. of the trachea, and then last case, you know, worst case scenario, it'll cut off the carotids, but. Uh, Doc I'm Sub, like, they, Doc Sub and Mr. Perfect are attacking each other with the tropes here. They both have tropes about girl fighting. One's called Shifu, one's called Waifu. I called Drew Barrymore. <laughs> no, uh, the antithesis DBS. of that is... Uh, I got um, pretty bad DBS. Yeah. No, this it wasn't horrible. Either they used the double the right way and cut it the right way. The problem, Drew Barrymore syndrome, the, the, what distinguishes it is that it's the hubris of the star who wants to be in her own take... Who wants to do her own stunts, but not put in the six months worth of effort to do right, it? Right, and just and insists on being in the shot, and and uh, and the scene suffers for it. Right, that I would be surprised if fifty percent was actually Scarlett Johansson. They cut to her double at the right angles, and it it played for a. I think there are only like two or three shots that yeah. could have not been her. Right. You know, I didn't notice it. I'm just saying. I'm just. Saying I didn't notice like, it when I wasn't in the theater the last time. Um, uh, but I didn't notice it on Ryan's video. How. Hyper color, well, hyper at, hyper studio comic book movie. This movie is. Yeah. It's very candy Iron Man. Candy, yeah. it's got, if Iron Man here, had sort of a. Out. It was. It's. It was colorful, but it had like a fifty percent shine of bleach pass, sort of darker, grittier color thing going on. Mm-hmm. This is really. It's very it's, candy This, coated, is, this yeah. is coming up on Spider Man level lighting. A- Ang Lee's Hulk, I think, was actually had a brighter I, palette to it. Like that was pretty bright in a lot of ways. Like it was. A I don't recall it being overly colorful, though. I do. I remember. I haven't seen it in a while. It, no, but that's a good commentary. If you what, haven't heard a Hulk commentary? Go check that out. Hulk. It was definitely very colorful. Yeah, not just that, but even when he was in the desert fighting tanks, yeah, like, I guess it you're felt, right. It felt yeah. very bright. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I do remember that. Now, Incredible Hulk, I felt was was way grittier and stuff like that. Especially when you start off in the favelas and you're in you know in your Brazil and and everything. Like it, it felt a little grittier. Incredible Hulk is one we should do because I actually, I actually really we enjoy will. that movie. And go back and like for some reason the Hulk commentary is this weirdo forgotten episode that no one seems to notice that we did. But I went back and revisited it recently, and while it still has some of those, our first forty fifty right. episodes kind of had a weird sound to him kind of thing going sure. on. Uh, we had f- several really good conversations. Let's call it vintage, it. man. Vintage, classic down in front. Yeah. Without those scratches, so, I mean it's not real music if you don't hear the scratches. <laughs> I love iron man to break it down now. War Machine's armor looks a bit more, I guess, real. Like it does look, yeah, it looks more. It looks more like we had to make this thing that you're looking. Well, that's at, because you know? Iron Man's costume, and I say costume, his costume is so thin. Yeah, it's very form fitting. It's I don't know how you make a what is probably realistically a 400, 500 pound person walking around seem. Skinny and sunken chested, but Iron Man kind of <laughs> seems skinny and sunken chested next to War Machine. Mm-hmm. Comparatively, yeah, and, and not and because War Machine like it doesn't happen with fucking Obadiah's robot in the end of Iron Man One because that's a pretty mech. ridiculous yeah. kind of awful mech. But just War Machine, I agree, has the right proportion to it. It looks real. I like. I, I, anytime you have black painted steel that's been chipped, I'm a big fan of you. Uh, Hi, Tarkovsky. There yeah, this is so Gandhi Tarkovsky with the with the cherry blossoms. Like yeah. this is straight up Samurai Jack right here. Yeah, uh, and even oh, yeah. like Powerpuff Girls, like Powerpuff Girls, their set pieces. Like you could see, you know, a lot of the yeah. I mean, and I love this. This is good, fun <laughs> stuff. I Doc Sub, thank you for reminding me about this. There joke. we go. The arterial spray of the oil. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that. good stuff. See, 
Yeah, that one is bad. Anyway, maybe I was wrong. The uh, he he brought up this trope earlier, and I forgot to bring it up, and he reminded me. Uh, Scarlett Johansson's acting in this movie is a trope called "dull surprise," <laughs> which is a vague, wispy look of emptiness given by a character that's supposed to convey intense emotional shock. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson is just like she. I like her as an actress and and a lot of things, but here she start with that. What? Yeah, start with that. Oh, the, oh, t- that's Teague's first time seeing that. Yeah. The, well, uh, my review. the double repulsive. Darth Maul. <laughs> <laughs> he has ray guns? Yeah. The, the he can only do it once. Only once. Only do it remember once. that it's thing? I remember I, it was like a few years ago. I don't know if you guys remember that, but Eddie was talking about how every superhero now is just Superman and. and that's a little Superman and. Earlier in this commentary? Earlier in this commentary. I was yeah. doing a joke about how oh, we yes. just talked about that. But yes. Yes. So, so one. one that, he, but if, if they have that tool, Start why do they it. ever have problems with anything ever? Right. It only works for a second, and then you yeah. hope there's nothing left. And he has to eject it. He shows them injecting it. Yep. Hmm. But, it's, I mean, uh, I, 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 I was fun. I Indiana Jones it. would line up four Nazis and shoot it right so through. A good example of that was in Blade 2, where, the uh, what's his name, uh, Norman Reedus creates this thing. It's like, oh, it's, a, it's a fist gone like that. is on it. He's like, trope, it only works once. <laughs> the, the, he injects, like, it's a blade that injects holy water off of a punch, so he can punch a vampire, and it shoots holy water, and it explodes him. And so he's like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. And then he fights the vampire and does that, but it's the uber vampire, and it doesn't work. So it's like you never see it again because of that. That that's a good example of right. the overpowered weapon. You know, that's a good. We haven't thought of that. That's a good device for if you've written your script and you're like, good, it's done, and then it's like, shit, we kind of check off that thing. We said it would do this thing. What you do is just throw in a scene where you don't subvert it. You literally waste it. Well, and that's you, what they, it, they, it happens. And it's like, oh, it didn't work. All right, never mind. That's not going to work. They do that here. They do that here with War Machine being given that weapon from Justin Hammer's like, wait, I got this. And he fires the, uh, yeah, the, I got some specialist guy. This is the thing that Justin Hammer said was like the ultimate weapon. And it's like it's its own shoulder pad and it fires that. And it does absolutely fuck all. And uh, and that's a fun, that, that was actually a good gag. I actually enjoyed that quite a bit. Although, Vanko is a little unalarmed by the fact that, as far as he knows, that thing will work. Right. Yeah, I'm with you I on mean, that. that's a little... Yeah. You mean the f- the floating Vanko head here? Um, yeah, his yeah. performance is like, oh, I've read the script these next few <laughs> yeah, pages. Yeah, I know, I'm cool. Yeah. But uh, I... But that, w- that would probably be an example, I would guess, of them having to go back and rewrite the script based on the improv, because the scene where he's describing the little right, bullet sure. thing is very obviously Sam Rockwell being Sam Rockwell. Right. So it's like, okay, w- they shot that scene. It's like, okay, we got to bring that, we got to do something with that later. Exactly. I don't know why they, uh, you know, we've got Scarlett Johansson in there and the thing where she can reboot reality suit, but she she didn't turn off any of the drones. Or that they were or, fighting. Uh, right. yeah. Or, um, or probably, that? yeah, that suit's probably hooked up to that thing too. Yeah. She could probably lock them up. But no, that's cool. She's just, you know. Even, even Who wins in like, an arm wrestling fight? Between William Shatner. <laughs> Dude, William Shatner and Iron Man, who wins in a fight? William Shatner. Shatner. William Shatner and William Shatner, who wins in a fight? And here's our payoff of, uh, Rhodes, I got an idea, that thing we did. Now, if you were Ivan Vanko at this point, wouldn't you just fly out of the way or or start moving? Right, sure. He's just kind of looking at it like, uh, no I'm letting this but happen. But also, by the way, instead of doing that thing, they could just be shooting him in the face. Yep, because <laughs> his face is exposed here. Just shoot him in the face. You don't have to do the whole elaborate thing. That was cool. I like the little dark speck in the center of the flash framey explosion. Yeah, there's cool one frame that. that's it creates a bl- It creates a singularity. <laughs> as, as they fire at each other. Well, just in terms of, like, you know, as an artist, you kind of, oh, that trick, that will work later sometime. I like the idea because you, if, I guess I, maybe, uh, maybe all visual effects artists do a lot of things blowing up. And that, that trick where it flash, super bright, overexposed, and then too bright to see anything, but there's this really dark spot in the center and then back over the course of three frames was this really... <laughs> 
it, was, it looked cool. It was a nice. It's script. a it's a visual effects artist way of going. Well, this is patently fake, but if we were photographing this for real, that was something I had to deal with with, uh, and and Chad eventually won. But on um, one of the things we did on Apocalypse California, where it cuts from daylight to extremely overexposed due to massively overexposed thing, and um, he wanted to have it cut straight to the thing, as if this is the beauty shot of that thing that happened, like it's a fire or something like that. Uh, and I'm like, um, well, if it's hap- if it's suddenly happening in the frame, what should happen is it should first become white, just and kind of you know watch the camera stop down to it. But we didn't end up doing that. Now the movie sucks. <laughs> so, you know, we've. We haven't really touched on Pepper Potts as a character, really, at all. It's a little bit about how no. she's not nearly as self-actualized as a character here no. as she was in the first she's one. And we just passed her, and you, yeah. you, you, you and touched on this And yet at the end, they have this whole like thing where they kiss as though it's paying off like a plot that wasn't a whole, there in this A whole this love movie. story that doesn't exist. It yeah, was exactly. punted from the last film to this one. Right. Good yeah. point, Mr. Perfect. Stakes issue. Trope, nobody can die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm expecting Joss to kill off uh, Tony in the... In Dude. The <laughs> Dude. No, I expect him to kill off, like, uh, Coulson. <laughs> Imagine one. if Joss oh, Whedon... Wow. Tony's the only one we care about. He's Imagine if Joss killing. Whedon was Jim Cameron, where Joss Whedon could say, no, this is what's happening now. Yeah. Joss Whedon kills everybody. Yeah, he would kill a lot of people. I th- I could see him killing Hawkman. I, I don't know. Because Hogman did die in the comics a couple times. If Josh had so. kids, I don't think he has kids. He's not married. He has, he? Yeah, he has two kids. His, uh, yeah, his, he has a wife named Kai. I am so jealous of those children. <laughs> anyway, yeah, if, if do you ever, think he tells them stories? Like, all right, Daddy, tell us a story. Okay, so there was a magical princess, and she lived in a castle, and everything in her life was perfect, and then she died. <laughs> and it was really random, and there was no reason for it whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a bit different. Uh, Daddy, tell us another story. That was short. Okay, now there is this super the awesome fighting girl. There was a spaceship who, who full had of people a, a, that were a, all a, very likable, and sh- then a bunch of them died. A shattered psyche, and she uh, well, she pulled herself up by her bootstraps, and she got the she got the man of her dreams, and they lived happily. Uh, she got died. <laughs> she got died. She got died. I I had a she got got died. I had a Percocet, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're feeling it, folks. So I I'm I'm bad. I'm, luck I'm like Yoda. Just My last commentary, you shot a rock out of your dick, and now you're doped up on Percocets. Yeah. Are you so. dipped on Percocets because of the rock? No, but it still hasn't passed. It's been two no and a half shit. months. Forget well, it. sometimes they... When does it become self-aware and when do you give it a name? Chloe named it, actually. What did she name it? She named it... Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> no, she didn't do that. I think she named it Oscar. Oscar? I was Oscar, like, right. that's not... No, it doesn't feel like an Oscar. It feels like an Ivan, frankly. Right. Anyway. Well, just hope it doesn't pull a crazy Ivan on you. I, I will say one thing Joss Whedon did do was in the when he because he wrote an, a pretty incredible run of uh, Astonishing X Men for about two years. Um, he introduced a counterpart to Shield named Sword, and Sword is everything in space. Like it's basically everything like going into space to fight Ryan the Joss shit Whedon's out there. Cool. And it was it was pretty awesome. It was a uh, it was um how how long is a when you say wrote a comic book. Yeah. And then you mean, uh, you, you say a series a or a story or a run. Uh, arcs. Is, how long is a prose comic book? The, the average like arc. 15 pages of prose? No, two no, pages, okay. uh, A comic pages? book is usually about 22 pages. Um, uh, done. Done. Completed. Yeah. But there's and only then, little bits of, like, text. Well. If you, if you just put down the text on when you're writing the text. Well, that is the art of uh, sequential storytelling is that you don't always need text to tell the story. I mean, my favorite. Oh, so he's, okay. Uh, my favorite scene ever is. It's basically is, like he's writing a little screenplay. Yeah, I mean, it's and and uh, what's her name? Jane Espenson wrote uh, a few of the Buffy comics, and she said the biggest difference between writing a script for 
uh, TV or film and then writing a script for a comic is that in the comic, you are not just writing, you're directing. And if you ever actually look yeah. at a comic script, it's very much that way. It's like panel A, uh, you know, page one, panel A uh, of one of three or one of five, depending on how many panels you want on that page. Like you're, you're directing those shots. Every panel is your essential shot or sequence choice. And um, when jo- Joss wrote Astonishing X-Men, he brought back this character named Colossus who had a relationship with uh, Kitty Pride named Shadowcat. Her power is that she can phase through. She's essentially, she can be a ghost and go through stuff for things to go through her. She opens this door, and then it's what's called a splash page, uh, which is a whole page, which is one panel. And the splash page was Colossus standing in front of her. And then the following page was three panels. The top one was her just looking at him stunned. The second panel was him running halfway through her to go fight the bad guy with the same look on her face. And then the third panel was Colossus then behind her kicking ass and she's in the exact same pose. And in those two pages of absolute wordlessness, you, it was a lot of storytelling happening, you know? So, um, I forget what my original point was, but, uh, but Joss, Joss did a lot of cool storytelling without dialogue. Exactly. Especially in a comic book context. So your, to answer your question, uh, 22 pages for a comic, the average arc or single storyline in a comic is about six issues between five to eight issues, uh, and a comic coming out a month. And so he did, so I a think... A lot of comics could basically be a screenplay. In, in a lot in of ways, length, yeah. yeah. And a lot, Frank Miller sort of sees the future going straight to graphic uh, novel collections as opposed to single issues monthly, but we'll see. Hey, what the fuck? It's over. Oh, my God. I love a it. A thing happened. And what a weird ending. Like, we're with Gary Shandling. Like, yeah, it's such it's a weak a, sauce. Like, yeah. the end was remember, like... Remember Gary Shandling from the beginning of the movie? Yeah. Great. Here's the Star Wars moment. Yeah. You know, like, it, it's... Yeah. It's so cheap. It's just like, yes, everyone applauds them, and then we go to the uh, unit production manager. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, fuck Iron it. Man too. That's a thing hey, that happened that, at us. That UPM worked very hard. Anyway, sure. they they made they had to make sure that the bagels and coffee got there every morning. The uh, the sequel to Iron Man is not a movie that I have really seen that much of, and I don't <laughs> really have that much interest in. I love Iron Man, uh, almost despite not having a, right. an inherent desire to watch comic book movies. Iron Man is just that watchable and that fun, and. I, I, I don't think I have to be any more specific than say I want to watch Iron Man and I don't want to watch Iron Man 2. As a non-comics person, they found it with Iron Man and it's kind of out of focus in this one. Mm. Maybe it'll come back, especially with Shane Black writing. Maybe it'll come back in and, and, and Thing 3 and this will be the weird Temple of Doom. But if not, I, Iron Man 2 is still worth it for Iron Man. You know, Iron Man 2 doesn't screw that up at all. And, you know, whatever. Brian? Yeah, uh, it's everything we said. It's, uh, it's, it just goes to show you how delicate the uh, the actually the last quote I have from Favreau here is uh, he says that the directors let me get the as a director your only real responsibility is tone and I think that's the the essential. Yeah, someone should tell John Favreau that. Yeah, well, or Marvel or Disney or whoever you want to blame. Whether you you know de- depending on who you want to lay the blame of Iron Man to at whose feet. But it's you know the tone of Iron Man is straddling that very specific line of of your suspension of disbelief in this magical world versus the real world filled with people you can care about and care about what happens to them versus this world where there's just shit and spectacle and things all over the place that's just, yeah, and it's just, it's it's too much. And it's, that happens at the expense of people that are basically like yourself doing things that you can understand for reasons that you can get behind. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, it, it's... And you just get that much further along, and then you kind of it can all fall apart on you. Ryan, uh, I, I don't want to uh, ask too much of you, but could you say something about Iron Man Two? 
Well, the thing that bums me out about this is not like the problem with the movie is like, oh, I didn't like the bad guy they had, or oh, this this the the plot that they they chose to go with had issues with this. No, this is like an onion of layers of things that are wrong, like that are just a poor choice or the bad way to go. Or and and these are things that like we were talking about earlier. You can't do these again. You can't do the demon in the bottle plot now. You can't do the armor stuff you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like it's kind of like they wasted a lot of things, and that's really disappointing. And you know whoever's fault it is, it's just. You know, I mean, we, we've we've gone into massive detail about what is wrong with it and potentially why, but I'm hoping that they can, for the next one, maybe there'll be pressure off. Maybe it's like, hey, we finally got that whole Avengers thing out of the way. Now we can kind of get back to these solo stories. That's you know? the hope, yeah. The good thing about this movie is that all these things that have gone wrong, they mostly sort of tied themselves up. Again, you can't go back to some of these things, but, like, everything kind of got back to where it was in the beginning, like a cartoon. So... Okay, let's start fresh and let's try to do it better and do it right and do it like the first one. We should offer a service, a down in front service, <laughs> where for two hundred dollars we'll help them. Two hundred dollars, send us your script. We'll we'll go over it with uh, a different font and let you know what kind of things to be thinking about, what to look out for. You know, maybe maybe that people will do that. I don't know. Maybe maybe that, we're not big enough for that. That is a business that yeah, people I know. do in Hollywood. I've done that before. I just didn't do it under the different name. Fun. Unfortunately, there's a big difference between reading a script and seeing problems with it and seeing a finished movie and finding problems with it. Yeah, but there are some any problems you would have with the script, you would definitely have with the movie. So it's, you know, it's a, a cursory it's rake. That's 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 the true skill of a producer. That's the value of a good producer is they can like Robert they, Evans. They can look at a script and go, oh, well, when this is on the screen, that's not going to make any fucking sense. So let's change it. Right. Edward. Yes. Alan Doty. There's I don't know what it is. A single Edward Snorkel Doty. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> equally wrong. How do you feel about Iron Man? Um, How do you know it's equally wrong? What if, oh, anyway. How do you feel about <laughs> Iron Man 2? Uh, Are you disappointed? Uh, I, sort I, of I, like, I don't, oh, you know, miss? I don't want to come off as crotchety and, and I hate this thing because I don't. I, I enjoyed it and I, you know... I would probably watch. I might own it at some point in the future. I don't know. I because there are some sequences I really enjoy, um, but I think it's sort of live by the sword, die by the sword. I think uh, Favreau prides himself on exercising a lot of improv, as does other filmmakers like um, uh, what's his name, who did Forty Year Old Virgin and knocked up Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow does a lot of improv on his sets, and he gets he works with a regular crew of folk, and he gets his results out of that. And sometimes you get a four year old virgin and sometimes you get a funny people. And, um, and that's not to say funny people is bad or Iron Man two is bad. It's just like, well, you know, these are problems inherent to it. I don't think Avengers and the Marvel initiative sort of helped him, but I, I'm not going to sit here and say that, uh, you can lay everything at the feet of that either. I think he's got to own up for some problems in this and Cowboys and aliens and just be like, all right, you know, what do I need to do next time? Um, and I don't mean to stand here and say like I'm the one to be educating him, but I think he has a style that is not going to always knock it out of the park for him. Uh, and um, I look very much forward to Iron Man three, sort of a fresh take on it. I don't think single directors should take franchises for their entire life of them. I'm glad Nolan's moving on after the next Batman. I'm glad uh, other people are doing it and other people are having their turns. You know, um, so let just you know he'll do a three and. Or, you know, he did his two, and then he's off and running, and let, let Shane Black handle it, and let's see what we can get. There's a lot of miles left to get out of this character. So, This has been Down In Front. You can always find our episodes at downinfront.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Get a brand new episode every single week. Twitter.com slash downinfront. Facebook Down In Front Show. Email us at downinfrontshow at gmail.com. Subscribe. Register in the forum. Become part of the conversation. We have a wonderful group of people there coming up on 200 active members just talking about movies, being smart, and 
saying cuss words on the internet, which is a lot of fun. At the forum, we announce every week what's going to happen with the live shows that you can participate in in the chat room, like Trope, like Mr. Perfect and Dr. Submarine Trope today. Uh, those are all announced at the forum at uh, downandinfront.net slash forum. They happen at downandinfront.net slash live, but the forum will tell you when, where, what movie, etc. Uh, ba doo ba doo ba doo. What else? <laughs> Buy our shirts. Give us money for pizza. And also, um, oh, well, look at this. Look at this. I forgot about the coda. What's going on here? Or is this oh, where yeah. they found Thor, the Thor hammer? Thor, commercial for Thor. the Thor. Yeah, yeah the, and this just didn't connect at all. It's just, you know, and Thor's its own thing. Which is fine. As long, I mean, had this happened in the movie, that would have just been... Right. Yeah. No, it's exactly. fine that it happens after. I like the idea of codas. They're kind of exciting, and they kind of give you a thing. By the way, uh, I just want to give a big applause to them filming in Albuquerque for all of Thor and most of Avengers. Uh, I recently did a shoot in, in Albuquerque recently and not to disparage anyone from the Southwest. And I'm sure there's a great deep, rich cultural history there, but, um, fuck that. It's not a lot to do. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and, uh, so anyone who has to kind of live there for a while and do their thing, I, you know, anyway, uh, until next time, uh, Matt Peter Vader, show notes, chapter on iTunes, sort of, Holden Hill designed for the website, Mr. Perfect, Dr. Submarine, TVTropes.org for anything that ever happened in a movie twice. My name is T. Christie. Brian Finnefer. Brian Weaver. Eddie Doty. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Good night. 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 Percocet's fun. <laughs> oh, shit. So why are you on Percocet? <laughs> uh, because I'm... It, <laughs>